August the 4th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What She Said Podcast. We had so much this weekend, we had to split it up into two shows. So this one will be a lot of Saturday racing. We'll have Saturday Saratoga Stakes for Whitney Saturday over at Saratoga with Barry Spears. He joins me to talk about all five of the stakes races. We talk about races 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Then Saturday, Woodbine. I'm going to get into the early pick five from Woodbine, races two through six. There's also a stakes race later on in the card. We'll discuss that as well. Then Saturday, Louisiana Downs. The best card on Saturday anywhere is Louisiana. No joke. Six stakes races, huge fields, great betting opportunities, turf, dirt, competitive races. Phil Cleek, owner and handicapper, joins me. Roxanne Tanner, who does the on-track simulcast and she does so many things at the track she also joins me to talk about the saturday louisiana downs card then i'm going to get out some best bets for saturday del mar and i'll finish up with this week in wrestling chad cooper could not join me this week unfortunately but i'm going to do a quick hits on what's going on in nxt and AEW, and then we'll preview SummerSlam to close it out so we have a, a lot of saturday racing and then wrestling to finish up on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Let's get right on into the horse racing portion of this episode. We're going to get into Saturday Saratoga with Barry Spears in just a moment. First, let's hear from a couple of our sponsors. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view, and any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, 
multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. It is Whitney Day at Saratoga on Saturday, August the 5th. Barry Spears and Gino Bacola are going to be here to talk about all five of the stakes races on that Saturday card. And we want to let you know about the DRF Saratoga Handicapping Store. Every racing day, you can get your past performances, DRF picks, clocker reports. And then on Saturdays, you can get the betting strategies. Mike Beer and David Aragona, they share selections, analysis, and then um, how they're playing some of the races. They give pick fives out and some multi-race wagers and then some individual race wagers as well. We're going to talk about the, fri- uh, the Saturday card in the five stakes races, and we're going to look at those daily racing form past performances. I'm Gino Bacola. My good friend, Barry the Sniper Spears, is here to talk about a big day at Saratoga. Barry, buddy, some good races to talk about. Five in a row on Saturday. We'll have all stakes races, um, and it does feel like a pretty good mix. There are a couple big fields that are a little bit better, um, more intriguing betting races, and then we have a couple big stars on the card. Probably one of the most popular horses of the last few years in Cody's wish, he'll see if he can continue to stretch out and maybe have bigger plans at the end of the year. He's been really good up around the mile or so. Now can he go a little bit farther? So some intrigue and a really good mixture of like stars on the card, good betting races and fun storylines on Saturday. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what we live for as horse players, especially during the summer where, you know, you have Saratoga, you have Del Mar. This is, this is another exceptional card at Saratoga. Lots of stakes, lots of opportunities. I mean, looking at this card, you know, it, it shouldn't chalk out, which is good. No. Yeah. You know? And, and that can happen some days on these big stakes cards. Yeah. It gets a little more formful when the really good horses just, they all show up. Um, we are going to look at these races. We're going to look at the daily racing form past performances. We encourage you, if you want to look at the same past performances we are, you can get those for free with DRF bets. Sign up for DRF bets. Super, uh, super easy, simple process. Use that promo code winning right off the bat. They're going to slap you with a $10 free bet once you register, and then they'll give you a deposit match bonus all the way up to 250. So if you deposit 250, they'll match that all of a sudden you've got 510 right off the bat. They give you 10 free formulator cards. So you can use one card for each track. And then every time you bet 50, you'll get credit for another card. So if you're betting the races and if you're doing it through DRF bets, you'll be able to stack up all uh, sorts of credits for all those Saratoga, all those Del Mar cards you want to play throughout the summer. Barry and I are going to play on Saturday and we're going to start 
in race number six, looking at these formulator pass performances, Barry, we have a five and a half furlong turf sprint. You love your turf sprints. Um, And this one is fun because we have uh, horses become honestly the best turf sprinter right now. The six-year-old mayor Caravelle, she's beaten the boy. She was your breeders cup turf sprint winner last year. She's won four, five in a row. She's a 15 time winner. And she's a horse that we all just keep trying to beat each and every time because (laughs) I will say as impressive as she looks, there are a couple races where like one or two of the other speed horses didn't go. She kind of got the benefit of trips. Yeah. So she, this has happened a couple times. So that's why we've tried. Reader's cup was one of them. (laughs) Absolutely. And in this race, while it's not necessarily the deepest field in the world, she will have other speed that she'll have to deal with in here. Um, um, to the outside, you've got no balls who was the turf sprint winner on May 6th at Churchill earned a one Oh two buyer that day. He's really, really fast. He's going to make her work. And I could see maybe one or two others in here also showing speed. Like the two pretty quick um, came from off the pace last time out. He's not as classy as some of the others in here, but he could be a nuisance and at least make things kind of difficult there. So there could be three, I don't know, maybe even Cogburn. I don't know if he's quite as fast, but I, I don't think she's getting an easy lead in here. I hope not. I mean, right. if she does, she's gonna she's gonna lap this field easily. Um, you know, you got a horse like No Balls who won wire to wire um recently at, at Indiana Downs. Um uh, and he doesn't want to sit. No, right? he definitely so doesn't want to sit. There there are some horses you can understand where okay, they got some speed, but they can also sit, and so sometimes they try to take back. But a horse like this, if he doesn't go, he's got no chance. Right. And that's that's why I think this this is another good time to try to, to be play her. against Caravelle. Yeah, because I, I think she's gonna have a lot more adversity to deal with than she than she has in other races recently. Um, you know, although this field isn't as strong as some of the other ones, no. there's more speed that can really kind of go at her and 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 give her a little bit of tough time, which to me might be just enough to get her beat. And that's, and that's how playing this race. Now we look at who is going to be the horse to capitalize on that. Right. Or who are the horses that get the, can take advantage. If no balls, if her, I'm leaving the horse, like the two out, because I think that horse could be part of the pace too. Um, so right. I'm, get, I'm get yeah. Cooked up and early get cooked and... up with them early. So those horses aren't like, if I'm trying to beat Caravelle, it's not with some other speed horse. I'm, I'm sort of gravitating to one Barry and it's the five uh, grooms all business who I think that's the one could get the trip in here. (laughs) Right. It just feels like when you have races and you kind of, you can look at some horses, you can eliminate horses like the one thin white Duke from the rail. He's going to have to improve in here too. I just need to see him. I need to see a bigger effort from him. You know, we mentioned the two and I'm not quite sure Cogburn's two races on the turf are fine, but this is definitely a step up. Like he may be able to get a nice off the pace trip. I don't really have a knock on him if people like him at a price, but the one that I sort of gravitated to was grooms all business. His last two races have both been really good. And now his form as a four-year-old makes sense. You start diving into his form last year. He hasn't done a whole lot wrong in his career. He's good. I I mean, the thing that caught my eyes is, basically his his running style the trip, the he's trip gonna get. that he's going to get in this race he's, he's probably going to get really good position um in behind these these front runners and it's just a matter of him being fast enough to finish it off i think he might be 
the the one that's ripe for this upset in this race only yep. because he has some stakes experience. Yep. Um, though and the races are coming back live. Right. Yeah, but- so they, they're not as good as the Caravel races, but, you know, you dive into them and the horse who we beat last time, our shot, came right back and won right here at Saratoga, earned a 95 buyer, and our shot has won three of the last four races and has gotten up there with the speed figures a couple times. He, he, this yeah. is not, right? He's not I bad. Mean- it uh, just seems like a yeah, like this horse grooms all businesses on the upswing, gets a field and a setup that's ripe for another kind of quote unquote perfect trip. I mean, as as far as the class goes, you kind of can overlook some of the 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 what looks like lesser races because there really aren't that many no. good races. At this distance, I mean, Turf there's sprinting, not like a whole bunch of grade ones or grade no, twos or anything. Not at like all. That. The list so of stakes and the grade kind of got to get them where you can, you know. He lost twice to a horse named That's Right, who's just a really fast horse, right? So yes. in in these races where That's Right catches a field where there's not much other speed, he's going to win, and that's not what's what's helpful for grooms all business. So it just it feels like what you were saying. Some races. There's a horse that feels like they're peaking. They're going to get the trip. Like he just feels like the bet in this race. Yeah. Like if, he if he's over five to one, he feels like he's the, the bet in here he's to me. Yeah. Like, I, and that doesn't mean he's an automatic winner and he could just run poorly, but the way he's improving, he's peaking, he's a four-year-old. So you can see him continuing to ascend. You're not really worried about any sort of a bounce. Cause he had a big figure last time out, but he had some figures that were already getting there towards the end of last year. Right. And now we're just seeing him progress a little bit. The races have come back strong. The May 4th race, he ran second off the bench to a horse named running with scissors. Who's like a really tough, old tough. hard knocking horse. And that was his first start in six months. So he, you know, he's a little bit short that day last year. He's just solid. You can eliminate his race going long. And now you're left with a string of eight in the money finishes and two fourth and a fourth and a fifth, like, and a, you know, in good races with next out winners, he's yeah, he's the horse for me in here. He's, yeah. This race kicks off a pick four too. I think there's a six, seven, eight, nine pick four, um, kind of a middle one that gets some of those stakes races right before, oh, like yeah. leading. Um, because I, I think it's a fun race to take a swing against her again too. I I couldn't find anyone else that was just as intriguing. Like I don't See, know. I what, did. Who, I who did. Is, I, who was the I, other I, one? I, I thought the eight was that. Was that's the wild really, card because I was just going to ask yeah. you about her or him, Ramuda. The eight, and then I like Thin White Duke. Um, a little at, more at a big price because I, I think that horse is just going to come running and, and maybe fill out exotics third, fourth sure. at, at a big price. But Ramuda is interesting because this is kind of the horse on the, on the upswing, you mm-hmm. know, a lightly raced four-year-old that, that came off the bench uh, after that one in April, you know, only has three starts this year, but. And we have uh, no idea who she beat or he, who he beat or how good he is. But I do like that now. He showed he can I, sit off a little bit. That right. was key. And that was the key to me too. Um, you know, especially being from the outside, you don't want to try to force the issue from way out there unless you're just faster than the others. And I don't think this horse is. And and sitting will probably get this horse a better trip. You know, and whether... I like Pratt in this type of situation with the speed. Like we talk about certain riders and some of their strengths. I think this is one of his major, major strength when he can get a horse that's that's got some speed but can also sit he just seems to know the the way the pace is shaping up and when when to push the button 
Right. He, he's a really good judge of pace, um, whether it's going long or going short. He's he's really, really good at, at, at timing that, um, you it's know, a lot and more I, important I, in Southern California. Right. And that's what is. happens when Absolutely. you're out here as a top rider. You you sort of have to be good at that or else you're not going to get those mounts anymore. So, <laughs> right. You know, he he was someone who right away we could see he was very aggressive. He 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 took that route a lot of times. And I just like I, I trust his decision making when he sometimes you're, you're thinking, oh, man, he's probably going to be sitting third or fourth in this race. And then he's on the lead. And, yeah, and you're I, like, oh, I don't know. But. You know, so he, he usually makes the right call. Like it's usually because someone broke a little slow and someone wasn't alert and then he goes on with it, but he's, I, I really like him in this, uh, in the, in this type of scenario. So I have, I have no problem throwing that yeah. horse uh, in any type of exotics underneath and just kind of playing against the speed horses and looking for the horses who are going to sit here. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, Pratt reminds me of Johnny V in this way is that he's going to get his horse in the right spot to where the horse has to do the work from there. And I think he's going to do that here. And if the horse kicks on, he'll be right there, you know? Um, and if he doesn't, you'll, you'll see that too. But this horse at, at a decent price, because I think he's going to float up a little higher than the 10 to one morning line. I, I think it's, he's, he's worth a second look. I had to just mention this because we were talking about speed horses and something, <laughs> something that you, you point out when we're on here, like Irad oh who wins a ton of races, you know, but um, David Aragona, who is one of the sharper out there, handicappers makes the morning line for York. He tweeted a minute ago. Irad does, and Barry and I are recording this on Thursday. So the Saratoga races are, are still going right now. I said, Irad does a lot of things well, but riding speed horses on the dirt isn't one of them. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I say this all the time, and, and it's funny that people don't pick up on it. And I think a lot of it's hidden because he's on so many good horses that the mistakes he makes on others, he still wins, and, and it doesn't really look like anything. But if you really scrutinize it and you take a look, it's definitely not his strong suit is, is riding on the lead on dirt. No. That was uh, just something to mention as yeah. we finish up with the sixth race on Saturday and we move into the lure race number seven. This is a, a mile and a 16th race on the turf course. So this is one for horses who have not won a, a graded stakes so far this year. So you can get some really good horses in here who are like dropping out of graded stakes races, graded stakes winners, like speaking scout is a great one winner. Um, you have some like really nice horses in here. The, one that's a little intriguing to me, Barry, that I'm I'm gonna throw in if I was playing a pick four or a pick five at a bit of a price is the nine um midday image, who is gonna stretch, there we go, right? He's gonna stretch back out now go to longer distances. He's been successful going longer, and he's been sort of knocking on the door at the turf sprint level recently, closing. He's been really good for Jacobson in the last four starts, but he kind of reminds me of what will happen in a harness race. Like he was closing in his last couple and he's going to get I think he's going to get aggressive from the outside in here. And I think he's the quickest and has a, has an opportunity versions of this race where he clears the field and just goes on with it. He can also sit if he has to from the outside, like we've seen, but I think here stretching out, they go on with it with him. Uh, I'm definitely using midday image in the mix. Yeah, you kind of have to, right? Uh, yeah. You know, just, just off his versatility, um, he, he's actually in pretty real good form at at, at present um, that he kind of uh, – he faded away last last year towards the end of the year or end of his campaign. And 
um, he, he's really bounced back for that new barn. And, you know, full disclosure, I, I have a picture of this horse on my wall in my office. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think he merits a really good shot in here. These aren't like the greatest horses you'll ever want to well, see. They're, they're um, horses who haven't won a graded stakes this year, right? They're horses who are good, but they're just not in the best of all form right now. They're either a cut below graded stakes races, graded stakes types. And he, he kind of fits pretty well in here just from a like a fun horse his best race is absolutely fit like his race oh, here going yeah. a mile and a 16th at Gulfstream last year where he gets the lead and he goes on and wins by five like that that race wins this race at a, at know, a big price I, I, I was really kind of taken back when he started sprinting and winning races and i was like wow this horse could sprint yeah. like that I, I, why versatile. weren't they doing that before i almost i almost called his old trainer and was like louie what why, why weren't you <laughs> This or he looks like a you know, like he can't lose sprinting at Belmont. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has races to go to. I, I think 12 to 1 was a little high on the morning line because I think he merits a, a little better chance than that, and I think the betters will think so too. But man, you know, this is a really good spot for this horse. I, you know, with not much going on, I can uh, you know, making some waves and winning this race. Let's talk about some others in here who are just in good form, who fit, who make a lot of sense. So, um, you know, speaking scout is a horse who's been facing graded stakes company just repeatedly. And now he'll get a little bit of a class drop. If you look at some of the races he's coming out of, he was behind modern games and up to the mark. And then he's behind Emmanuel in the dinner party. And he's only beaten three quarters of a length that day. And he comes back, Emmanuel comes back to win. And then he's finishing behind catnip. And Catnip comes back to run second in the United Nations next time out. So he's coming out of some pretty good races. Um, speaking scout, he's a grade one winner. He, he's sort of like, there's two or three horses like this where they fit. They're sort of a measuring stick. They're probably not the sexiest to like to bet from a wagering standpoint, but he's, <laughs> he's like one of the horses to beat in here. If he gets his trip and runs a good race, like he's, his ceiling is, is probably up there with most in this field yeah i i just don't know where that that effort is going to come from and he's I, not I mean, that fast is, anymore either he's not like anymore but he's just not that fast overall right he's got he needs a little right bit of help exactly and, and that's that's the thing it, it seems like he's kind of lost his step or yeah right and and i think that that's problematic um because you know obviously this horse has been kind of running against horses he, he probably was a little over matched i mean yeah. yes he's a grade one winner but you know i i think the elements were really right that day and it wasn't won. that strong I, I of a field this level yeah. that he's in is perfect right i think the level he's at now is perfect for him and i have a hard time with horses like this that kind of run over their heads get to the spot that they want and it seems like they kind of underachieve well they might just run the same that, sort of race right like, yes in second and or third feels like here yeah because yeah. he won't get I would want a little more speed in here. I I think from him mm. to, I have him like fourth. I, that's how I plugged him in this spot. Just depending on how I end up playing this race, you know, from a, a multi exotic standpoint, I think the two that are of the shorter price horses of the horses who I think will take money. The ones that I'm, I'm fine with are probably for me, the two to the inside um, because of the way we think the race may shape up um, sure. smoke and tea should get a pretty good trip in here. 
Um, I think he'll be sitting in a nice spot. You know, he wasn't far behind up to the mark a few starts back when up to the mark was in that, you know, allowance race. And I think he's going to get a nice trip. Portfolio company's also a horse who's just in good form. Um, he was probably facing a little bit better. And now he'll, he kind of sits a nice trip from the inside. I think I'm a little against the three Dakota gold. Who's coming out of the New York bread races. Those are sort of my take on the inside horses. What's your take on some of these major players down here towards the rail? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start it like this. My notes for this race. <laughs> the first thing I say is horses that might get bet are vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. They all, they and, all are. You're right. You they, know, they do how, all look like it. How, you know, I, I, I can't have any confidence in the one per se, because every time this horse kind of steps up in class, he doesn't run that well. I, I think he, he, you know, he's probably like one of those horses that you would. His wings are to. soft. That's and that's uh, the problem too. Like exactly. I think, I think he'll get a good trip from the inside saving ground, but it's really hard to be impressed by the victories. Like the speed figures come back well, but they're kind of easy wins in six horse fields. Exactly. That, he's a a four A player. That that's that's what I call him. Like yeah, you know, he's not quite good enough for the majors, but he's not. He's better than triple A. He's, he's better than triple A. Yeah. So he's yeah. a four A. That that's what I think about that one. So he's kind of vulnerable. Smoking tea, same sort of deal. It's it's like, you know, there's not much to bite into here because the, the horse kind of runs well, wins occasionally, but not somebody you can count on. And Dakota Gold, it, it kind of falls in the same same territory where this horse runs against state breads. He looks like he's golden. <laughs> open company, not so much. And and their running styles here kind of, to me, kind of get lost in the shuffle because they, they all figure the same trip. So the three inside horses, Barry's not really high on any of them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not high on Dakota Gold. I'm, I, I'm playing it nine as my top play. And then I had the next tier of horses as one, two, and five that were like, you know, the horses that I think are all that measuring stick that I don't love, but will probably be in the mix. Who else? Anyone stand out to you or anyone else that you like at a price that you're in? Yes. By? Give the it to six, us. The four one. There we go. Yeah. I don't even know how to say that name. I'm terrible with names. It's horrible. I got to say that. Yeah. On this um, but yeah, I like the fact that this horse came back running um, at the Curra off of a, a pretty decent layoff ships over here. This field isn't that tough. Uh, I'm pattern gathering, nice. looking like this horse is probably well meant. Yeah. If you get anywhere near twelve to one, I, you know, I'm gonna push all in. Even though I do like midday image, I, I think this horse has probably been running with better company and gets a pretty good setup here. You know, they're not gonna be speedy types typically. Um, Oshin Murphy is definitely one of the better jockeys over in Europe. So, you know, I, I have it almost confidence. He might get dismissed on the board. He might not. If in case he does, I want to be. You're gonna use him. They sent yeah. in uh, Osh. Uh, they sent in Aspen Grove to win the Belmont Oaks, and Aspen Grove actually scratched out of the Saratoga Oaks to run against Grade One Company in the Saratoga Derby. They thought smaller field and taking a shot for Grade One. Let's go there instead. So Barry throws in the six here in the lure, the stakes race for. Horses who have not won a graded stakes so far this year. Let's turn the page to grade ones. We've got three of them in a row, starting with the grade one test in race number eight. 
You have the Kentucky Oaks winner, pretty mischievous, who draws the rail. She's just in excellent form. She's done so little wrong in her career. Overall, very nice. Again, though, in a race like this, you feel like the rail going seven furlongs, probably not the best spot to be in a race where there's a good amount of speed. I'm not sure if she's going to be up there on the lead with the quickest. So maybe they just want to take back and sit. But then you sort of put yourself in that position where you got to roll the dice and you got to sort of hope or or angle around. And then from the outside, there should be a good amount of speed in your Barry. <laughs> a with, great amount right? of speed. <laughs> you got Maple Leaf Mel, who's never been headed and never been beat. And then you've got Money's Gold, who's very, very fast. Now she's going to cut back. Those two are right next door to each other. They should be flying. Others in here, you know, Jersey Pearl can sit. She showed speed. I think it was more from the rail last time out. She should be no, no problem sitting. But clearly Unhinged is also really, really fast too. Wouldn't be shocking to see this filly right up in the mix. So they, no, there could be three, possibly four in here going really, really quick. That's what I'm hoping for. And, and yep. that sets it up for the possibilities. I know Dorothy. Are you going back to your gal? That, you got to go back to your gal. I, I am. Because I she's thought, gonna get the trip. I thought she was better. I thought she's better around one turn than she was yep. around two. I, I, I really don't know where that effort came from in the acorn. I, I mean, she ran great that day. I we just didn't see it, it happening. Yeah, um, it was, but, and now you think cutting back will just really help her with the trip she's going to get because – if we look at her and pretty mischievous and we've seen that pretty mischievous has gotten the better of her a couple times. Well, now we can at least say, uh, so pretty mischievous is the six Darth Vader is the one. What we can at least say here is that the posts are flipped. Like maybe because she's drawn more to the outside, she can sit a little bit more in the clear. And there is a possibility of pretty mischievous having some trouble down on the rail. If that's how you're looking at a race sometimes. And you're saying, how can the horse who was defeated make up, ground on the one that beat them is there something that is different in this race well there, there didn't need to be that much because they weren't separated by a whole lot but yeah there is something I mean, different now no you know it's it's a good spot uh, per, uh Dorth, so Dorth <laughs> vader's down on the rail it's shorter yeah. yeah in this race we're watching and then in the uh on the outside we're gonna see pretty mischievous start to loom up pretty mischievous is the six in here. So she's, you know, sitting on the outside and she's going to move into contention. Uh, Money's gold is the horse leading this race. So lots of familiar horses in the race. We're watching Barry that are going to show up in the test. But I knew as soon as I saw this race, initially I was like, Oh, Barry's horse, Darth Vader. And then I, I handicapped it. And I was like, this is the horse that he's got to like, because it feels like she's going to get the trip cutting back she ran a great race last time out this was her first start for weaver also so maybe it can just approve a little bit again for the newborn like this is a good effort i think we've had a little uh connection issue with the man barry the sniper spears we'll try to get him back here in just a moment as we finish watching dorth vader and pretty mischievous down to the wire in a, a tight finish and that was in the grade one uh, that was in the grade one acorn i was back on june the 9th so there's been plenty of time since then for those to recover and i think they're the horses to beat in this race i think with the, the trips that project again these two will be right there i just am not quite as high on money's gold i need to see a little bit more from her maple leaf mel absolutely tons of ability but she's going to have to prove it and she's going to have to show to me show that she can deal with some other pace She's going to be going a little bit longer as well. 
So, you know, we'll uh, we'll go Darth Vader sitting the trip in this one. Yeah, clearly unhinged, kind of a wild card, right? What, what's going to happen with this filly? She's quick. I just don't know how well the race is going to shape up with her with all that speed to the outside. That's what what scares me a little bit with uh, with her speed. So the man buries a uh, computer crash. We'll see if we can get him back in in a moment. Let's get to the final two races in this five stakes race Saturday over at Saratoga. So I went 6-1 there. I think Darth Vader's the horse to play. If you go kind of one more look through Darth Vader before we, we move along, I'm going to Barry would endorse her as well here. She's been really honest. She has a great running style where she puts herself right in the race, and then she's in it throughout, but she can finish. She's been right there with Pretty Mischievous. You should get a better price, possibly a better trip with the draw. Let's move to race number nine. It is the Saratoga Derby. In, in this race, I think the two could be long gone. I really don't know how good he is overall. This was a horse who debuted at Monmouth. But in his second start, he went over to Belmont Park. He sat nicely, really close, and just crushed. Easy win. I think if he is aggressively handled by Pratt, I, I feel like he's faster than Mondego. And there's just nobody else in here that's that fast. So two all over the place for me. Farbridge and Webslinger, you know, they're the two, I think, that will come running if there is pace. But that's what's tough is that on paper, I don't know how fast they're going to be going early on. So, you know, Farbridge and Webslinger could be a, a little compromised by what, you know, could be a, a slow pace shape. Farbridge seems a little more tactical. I just can't get that race out of my head. The May 6th race at Churchill. That one will live with me forever. The American turf. I was a bad, bad beat for yours truly on that one. But I'm going to try uh, to see if program trading can steal this race. It happens in so many of these grass races in New York where everybody takes back. One horse gets out there and they just lope around. Program trading for me on the front end. I actually thought the three was a little intriguing, this filly. Like she's not as good as some of them in here. But I might throw her in a pick four or pick five. They picked this race instead of the uh, the Oaks. We got the sniper back. My man, we had a little bit of a, a technical difficulty and a little bit a of an outage. Glitch. A, a glitch. glitch? No worries. But we finished up uh, talking about Dorothy Vader and the trip that she will likely get. And it just – another one of those in in the test where it feels like right horse, right time, right trip probably going to be the right price. Like all those things come together, I think make her feel like a good use in that race. Yeah. We like, like to be Johnny on the spot as yeah. they say. Uh, and hopefully we are with Dort Vader. I, I kind of like interpolate too. Um, at, at a, at a price. Total wild card, right? I liked her last time and I just, it's, it was too bad. One of those that's too bad to believe. She kind of bobbled, <laughs> right? She's better than that. She bobbled. She just didn't have a chance with the type of trip where she's way out of it and they were, there was nobody pushing Maple Leaf Mel. So if they go quick, which we're thinking at least a couple to the outside, maybe Interpolate gets that trip as well. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, she, that last race kind of sets her up for this one. Um, it wasn't the greatest of starts needed, clearly needed the race. I can see that one uh, making a big improvement. Let's get to the Saratoga Derby, Barry. I kind of threw my thoughts out there a minute ago. I mentioned how we see so many of these races in New York going long on the grass where nobody goes to the lead. <laughs> and and the two might be the horse 
if there is one that could get out front and steal it with Pratt, he's aggressive. I think they look around and don't feel like they're probably as good as some of the other horses. You don't want to be closing with them. You want to get out front. And, you know, when the this is a Chad Brown that debuted at Monmouth and wasn't even favored first time out of the box. So uh, did step up when coming over to Belmont. And again, I don't know how good he is, but there's not that much early speed in here. Mondigo's not really fast. He's sort of gotten the lead in slower races. I think if the two is aggressively handled, it it could be his. Um, I, I I wasn't able to really find that big of the prices in here. How did you see this race? Talk to us about this one. Um, I, I thought this was a little wide open. I, I, I'm not really enthusiastic about the stateside horses. Um, so you're looking for the, the more wild cards? Yes, absolutely. I, I think, you know, if you look at this race and you, you start with the farm horses and you go to Aspen Grove, you look at his body of work, it's not that great. Comes over here and wins fairly easily. Um, and, and probably, you know, he was 15 to 1. People kind of dismissed him and his body of work isn't as good as let's say the eight line of war who I like. Yeah. And this horse is eight to one on the morning line rates. Like he's going to sit a really good trip, kind of mid pack, make a good run. I don't see why, why this horse cannot win this race. If we get an eight, eight to one, I kind of have to play this horse in comparison to the others war. It's, it's funny because, of of the horses that we know the most of, you know, like Far Bridge and Webslinger are the ones. And I, I don't know why with both of them, I feel like they, I don't it's not maybe they're not going to get the trip or if they're going to be closing with some of these other deeper horses too. I'm I'm concerned. Like I'm not, I'm not well, sure if either one of them win. Like I think they'll run well and be in the mix and finish like second or third. That's sort of why I went to the, I'm I'm looking for someone else to stretch this field out. Yes, That's sort of why yeah. I landed on the two because I think there could end up being a lot of horses that just take back and the two could just, you know, let them run here. But I definitely am going to use the three. The Philly, I think it is funny because it like she's not again, she was 15 to one. She was dismissed, but she did face some really nice company overseas before coming over here. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Like She's sort of got, and what's nice is she's got the benefit of that, the first race off the plane too, right? She's sort of shaking the rust off a little bit here. Exactly. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm using her in the mix for sure. Twos for me, Barry mentions the eight whose form was better than the threes and, you know, was facing boys. This is a Philly who was facing Phillies and now comes over and is going to be stepping up and facing the boys in this race uh, is the three line of war should offer you really fair value. Anyone else in here you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, I think you're on the the right path um, with program trading uh, because I, you know, I, I can't really think that Mondigo is going to to, to wire this field um, because I don't think program trading is going to let him get too far. But one thing I will say about Chad Brown horses, typically they they don't really run up front on the lead often. Like no. he, he has a couple that do, but most of them like to sit, sit. and make a run. Yeah. And, and that kind of concerns me here because I'm not really sure what they're going to try to do. I hope they as... don't. Right. I hope he gets aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Right. You want him to go. Yeah. yeah. Just get in front not of the one speed here, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I really don't know what they're going to try to do. Are they going to just let Mondigo go and sit right behind him or flank that horse? It's definitely possible. I definitely want this horse up front or, or forwardly placed. But I mean, this is a tough spot 
and and it, it, I'm not really too sure what they're going to try to do. Let's uh, move to the next grade one. It is the Whitney. We're going to finish up with the feature race. So we don't have the biggest field in the world, but it's intriguing because you have Cody's Wish, who is one of the best, if not the best horse, you know, older horse in training right now in the U.S. And he's never been this far. We got to see if he can keep going. There's nothing that we've seen in his races that make it seem like he wouldn't. Like the way he won right. his last race was extremely impressive. And he's just getting going from a mile to a mile and an eighth. I'm not talking about going to a mile and a half in here either. But when you do have a horse who's one to two on the morning line and they <laughs> haven't proven something, it's definitely got to be a talking point because he has to show us he can do this. If he does, all of a sudden, boom, he puts himself right there for Breeders' Cup Classic, you know, hands down the horse to beat, you know, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner last year, super impressive in that race. What what kind of is, I think, for me, a little more frustrating about this race is I, I wish there was one or two really proven classic distance horses in here right? that I would like to take a shot against him because then I might feel like, okay, that horse is at least a mile and an eighth or a mile and a quarter type horse that we know will be fit late. And I don't know if there's that horse in here. No, like, there really isn't. You're right. You know? I, I and mean, that's, Cody's wish is, is, you know, the only thing they can get Cody's for wish. Him. Yes. Because B it's him. a small field short, you know, short field will, will, you know, help that horse overcome any kind of uh, early Trouble, pace yeah. sort of issues that he might have. But, the only thing that can get Cody's wish beat here is the distance. Yeah. I, I don't think the talent in this race is better than he is. I, no. I mean, he's, he's proven himself to be a beast. I think the only thing that could get that horse beat is the distance. And I think a horse like charge it merits a really long look because you know, this horse likes to go far and, and he's pretty fast doing it. Um, I just don't is... want him to get into a, a speed duel with giant game That's the key, or right? even around him. Yeah. He could sit off of him and swallow that horse up. Um, although Giant Game ran big last time, I just don't think he he's that caliber. So, and, and, and White Abario hasn't passed a horse of this caliber ever. So, so he, so here's here's the thing. I don't think White Abario wants to go this far, right? I no. think his best races are at about a mile, like seven to a mile is where he's best. Yeah. If you're gonna play a horse, I don't have a problem if somebody wants to play him in this race only because he might just sit a good trip. And like, if we're saying Cody's wish isn't really proven at a mile and an eighth either. And if, if there are versions of this race where giant game and charge it push each other and make like difficult and like, look at charge it, for example, too, he's got four rivals in this race that have beat him multiple times, three of them. So he's got to improve on Cody's wish. Zandin, White Abario, Last Samurai have all beat him. Zandin, the last two times, White Abario, the last two times have all gotten the better of him. I'm he if he's like cruising and he just sits right behind Giant Game, he may win the race easy. Right, right? he'll get a, he'll get a good run, you know, without expending that, too much effort early, and it's just a sprint from the top of the stretch to the to the wire. And I don't it, think he's that much of a fighter though. No, right? like he's definitely he not. He gets headed, right. and, he and then he's just done. Like all these horses that are like a little classy pass him. So he really does need that ideal trip. And you were sort of mapping it out perfectly because 
If he does sit, great. If him and Giant Game push each other a little bit, that's Hurts. sort of why I want to. I'm okay only in this race. Like I don't. I wouldn't use White Abario in the classic or in distance races moving forward. I don't really think he's that type of a horse. But if I eliminate the rest of the field, like I don't like the one. I just don't like Zandon very much. I think no, he, he is he's, what he he's, is. He's right. A he's, he's a he's second, a third. Like he's he's always going to be in the mix. But I'm not intrigued by betting him to win at four to one or so. Like I. I didn't see anything that makes me think he's way better than Cody's wish. I don't even know yeah. how far he really wants to go either, right? Like he hasn't won a in a year either, over a year. <laughs> so, so not for me. If the two three battle, I think the four is a little below. Like I don't really have a problem with the four overall, but maybe a little below and not in the best of form. I I could see White Barrio maybe second time for this barn, um, just falling into a good spot. Had a little trouble last time out. I'm probably going to throw him in with Cody's wish as my other horse to use with him. Sounds like you've got at uh, charge it as the horse you think could beat him. If he gets the right type of trip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, last samurai had a, had a three race stretch at Oakland that, that was, was great. unmatched. Um, but before and after that, it hasn't been any good. Yeah. Uh, I can't really rely on that horse. I, although he could pick up pieces and, 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 you know, in a six horse. Hit the board. Like sure. This. Right. So you kind of have to merit him as a good exacta play here. Yeah. Even though not on the win end, I know Zanin likes to, to run second an awful lot. Um, but given the price of the, the four versus what the one's going to be, a, a Cody's wish last samurai exacta seems really, really good here. He's going to do the old uh, Dave Weaver ice cold. Ice cold. Yes. The old uh, six four. Possibly in the Whitney, the feature on Saturday over at Saratoga, one of five stakes races on the cards that'll go right in a row six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. Don't forget, you can get these past performances for free over at DRF Bets when you sign up. They'll put 10 in your account right away. And then every time you bet another 50, you'll get 50. You also have everything you need at the Saratoga Handicapping Store, including those betting strategies for Saturday. Some help from Mike Beer and David Aragona. Barry, my man, tell the folks out there about going in circles, about Big Mondays, and anything else that you've got going on. Yeah, not not much. Um, you know, kind of enjoying the races in, in uh, Saratoga and Del Mar right now. Uh, going in circles. We Our podcast, uh, Big Monday Shows, every Monday usually comes out on Tuesdays. You can catch it. It's usually one of the longer you know, kind of podcast. So uh, we do it only once a week. Uh, but yeah, I'll be around always and forever. So, you know, if you have any questions, concerns, want to talk some just, racing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it all the wanna time. Talk on about Barry's uh, knee injury in China that uh, uh, knocked, <laughs> knocked out his playing career and uh, <laughs> basketball dreams and uh, what could have been for the sniper, anything at all. Uh, you're always going to find Barry here with me uh, for the next few weeks throughout the summer. We'll pick different, uh, different tracks, whichever has big races each weekend. Barry will join me. We'll do some, some more Del Mar. We'll do some Woodbine. They've got Kings plate coming up in a few weeks. So we'll have a lot of fun always diving into those daily racing form past performances. We're in the no chalk zone here. Our goal is to try to help you beat some of these vulnerable favorites and uh, find some value anywhere you can. Always a pleasure talking to you, buddy. Thanks so much for your time. Good luck to you this weekend. Everyone, make sure to give Barry a follow there on, uh, on I'm still calling it Twitter. 
I'm, the Twitter I'm, machine. Yeah, it's not X. It's still X, Twitter. Throw up the X. No, no, it's the tw- it's Twitter. And uh, we will talk some more racing with you again next week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. And good luck this weekend at Saratoga. Great work, as always, from our buddy Barry. Thanks so much, Sniper, for helping us out. Let's move on over and talk a little Woodbine for Saturday. I'm going to dive into the Woodbine Pick 5. I also recorded this on video. It's on the social media, all my social medias, if you want to follow it on Twitter. Also on YouTube, Facebook, you can check out the Saturday Woodbine Pick 5 preview and a look at the stakes race later in the card. Let's take a look at another Woodbine racing card. This time we're going to dive into Saturday at Woodbine, looking at August the 5th. And we are going to look at those daily racing form past performances. Remember, you can get these for free right now. DRF Bets, go sign up for a DRF Bets account. Use the promo code WINNING, W-I-N-N-I-N-G. And then they will give you all the way up to a $250 deposit match bonus. Just take advantage of it. Put $250 in. They'll match that right away so your 250 becomes 500 and then they give you a 10 dollars free bet as soon as you register they'll also give you 10 free drf past performance cards a card is one track so one card would be like the woodbine track that we're looking at for saturday you'll get 10 of those right away and then every time you bet another 50 bucks you'll get credit for another so the more you bet you won't have to be spending a whole bunch of money on past performances, and you'll get to dive into these daily racing form formulator past performances. Those are my favorite ones, the ones that I always show in the, the videos that I put together. So let's uh, take a look at the pick five for Saturday at Woodbine. Early pick five always starts in race two. Thursday and Friday, the pick five guarantee is a $50,000 guaranteed pool. Saturdays and Sundays, the guarantee is $100,000. Guaranteed pick five pool. Remember, you can play for just a 20 cent based wager. You rarely see me doing this. You rarely hear me saying this, but the chalk is an absolute standout, in my opinion, in race number two. Zana, who has raced three times and they've all been pretty good. She debuted last year on July the 16th. And then following that, she was off for almost a full year, 11 and a half months. When she shows back up on June the 1st, she runs really well. She's a good second. Look at how strong the race came back. The winner, Star Candy, came back to win their next start. Star Candy was a horse who has been good all along, too. Fourth place finisher, Kara Kara, comes back to win their next start going wire to wire and then tries a stakes race after that. And Summer Snow comes back to win the next start. So three next out winners out of that race. And following that, Zana comes back. Shows pretty good speed on June the 25th. She was right on top, but she has to back up on the inside. She angles off the rail in the two path. She was just second best that day. Now she's going to go third start off the layoff. And there's not really any other proven speed in here. She's the only really proven horse that's run good races. And she's run all three of them good. She should be stepping forward, making the third start off the long layoff of the form cycle. And she's probably the fastest in here. So she should be on the lead. I just have a hard time getting against her. You rarely hear this from me, see this from me. I think she's just a chalky single and move on. I don't I don't really like anyone else. Speedy and smart, we have to see more from. I don't think there's monster pedigree there with the two. The three would be my next horse because her dam was stakes placed on the turf. 
And she's got a little turf pedigree in there, right? Well, her dam didn't win on the grass, but she ran well in all of her grass starts. And she's a half to street ready who's grade two placed in a four-time winner on the turf and then another turf winning sim. So, you know, we could be forgiving for that race, but there's so much projecting. If Zana shows up with any of those three races that she's run, she wins this race. And we have the right to believe that she's going to run even better here and and improve. So, yeah, I don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking to you on a horse who's going to be three to five. But that's that's where I'll land with the three uh, as the the next in the third race, I like the one know-how a little bit. On July the 15th, she was sitting in fourth. She was about two or three lengths off. She was on the outside, but she she got kind of pinned in, and she had to wait while Winya Bay, who's the number three in this race, moved early. So know-how got sort of stuck in a in like a blind switch, just sitting there waiting while Winya Bay is able to move clear, and then know-how has to wait, 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 and then angle around and closed really well. I don't love the rail draw going five and a half with this type of a horse, meaning with her running style. She's not really that fast. She's kind of an in-betweener. So that's really where the rail can hinder you sometimes. But I don't think it should be the difference between being six to one and two to one. Because if she was drawn a little more to the outside, I wouldn't really have many problems with her in this race. I think she's in a great spot. So the rail shouldn't be that that big of a, a difference. I'm using know-how all over the place. You know, she was a shorter price than Winya Bay when they raced each other last time. She was 10 to 1, Winya Bay was 11 to 1. And I actually thought know-how ran better in that race. And now will be a bigger price on the morning line, three times the price of the three. I do think those two are super logical, though. They make a ton of sense. And then the four living on love is another major player in here. Living on love was forwardly placed in that race going seven last time out. That was on the turf. Living in love will now flip back over to the synthetic where she's had better success in her career. Last time she was on the synthetic, she's had a nice trip in one going five and a half furlongs. This is a trip she likes. Both of her victories have been going five and a half here at Woodbine. Now, the so. I like the one. I went one, four, three. We'll bet the one, know how if we can get anything over seven to two. Race number four, six furlongs on the turf, $25,000 non winners of three. I'm going to look at the three swirling dancer. It's taking a big drop down in class. Third start off the long layoff, cutting back in distance. Last time out, this mare chased a wire to wire winner named Stormy Silence. Nobody passed. The runner up that day came back to win at the optional 40 level in the next start. So that race was live. Those horses came back and ran well at the same level. And now Swirling Dancer is dropping and should get it's wasn't able to get to the speed last time out. She's actually pretty quick herself, but she can also sit and pass some horses. Third start off the long layoff drops, cuts back. Let's use the three along with the five American gamble. The race to me that jumps off the page is just the last time on the turf on June the 2nd in a very similar spot when beaten just a nose anything close to that would make her a, a top tier player in here I'm okay with playing against the four systematic this is a horse who's been your beaten favorite four times in a row in what five of the last eight races has been the beaten favorite a lot of times at this level just spit out a big lead and has been doing it against some of these same horses Cutback will help. 
I can get beat by systematic. I, I think systematic could get softened up a little bit in here by some other speed as well. And then, you know, both sides, both the three swirling dancer and the five American gamble should be forwardly placed. The six quiet Madalena is also pretty quick. That's why I want to use the eight as well. Old secrets. She's a stone cold closer. She's not the most likely winner of this race. She hasn't won a race in the last couple of years, but if they go quick enough, she will come flying. And she showed us on June the 2nd that at five furlongs, she can come rolling. And it doesn't matter how short it is. And this is you know, six furlongs. So we, we can understand why Old Secrets could get up with the right type of trip. Just comes down to you know, getting, getting the, the pace. Systematic will be the one to catch and beat. But... I think on the inside and on the outside will be company. So we're playing against three, five, and eight for me. Swirling Dancer, the eight, uh, the five American Gamble, and we'll also include the eight old secrets. Six furlongs on the turf. That is race number four. Let's move to race number five. This one is Milan is 16th on the inner turf. We have $7,500 restricted claimers. This is a lower level. And a lot of times in this these types of races, I'm looking for speed horses because these are horses that don't really like passing. A lot of them are fine just sort of being herd animals. Uh, they're in at this reduced level a lot of times for a reason. Teradar is quick, and I think the horse to catch, I'm absolutely using in the pick five. Six horse, Mambo in the forest is the one to beat. Third start off the layoff, third start of the form cycle. Kind of woke back up with the last two and now gets back to the turf. The four, Bokerman. Now, he's 0 for 13 on the grass. So at first glance, I think a lot of people will look and then not play him. But from speed figures and looking at those races, they're actually really competitive with this field. Don't let the 0 for 13 on the turf discourage you against this particular field because he should be fine value. 5 to 1 plus on Bokerman. The one a gal for TJ fits with this group. Either of those last two races on the grass would would be competitive in here. Eight, six, four, and one. That's how I had them stacked in race number five. Let's close it out at Woodbine. Race number six here. I'm going to go to the outside with the number 10, Nikita's Gem. Let's watch her debut race. Two-year-old Philly debuted back on July the 15th. She was the number five in the race that we're watching right here. She had a slow start right off the bat, but you could see she travels well. So she was second to last after one horse just completely missed the break. Um, Nikita's gem was down towards the inside of the, the first group. And then it was a long way back to the other. And then Nikita's gem just gets kind of stuck down inside, not in the best of spots, gets kind of shuffled a little bit. Um, and, just sort of at the back, kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. And then you see Nikita's gem looking around for room. So she's got the yellow cap and she's behind horses here. And she's just searching for a spot. You could tell she's green as grass, right? This is a two-year-old filly who's making her debut. She's trying to move in between. There's no room there. Then she angles it in, in between, finally gets a seam. And then she starts to really stretch her legs late. She was going to win the race, but 
after that slow start, you can see she didn't really love it down on the inside. She gets shuffled back a little bit, and then she has to angle all the way out. The number five, Nikita, uh, she was the number five last time out in Nikita's gem. She is the number 10, and she is six to one in race six on Saturday at Woodbine. That's going to be my top selection there. If she's anything over seven to two, I think that's fair value. Others to include the one I think is the horse to catch. If they get aggressive from the inside, you've got the three scored, who's just a logical contender, showed improvement second time out. The six Norma, no. This one's damn, was kind of classy. She was multiple graded stakes placed, little precocity there, and she has four winning siblings. So this is not a bad pedigree. Barn doesn't win a ton with first-time starters, but they are they're one for their last 22. And the win was at a big price of 18 to one. So that takes care of a lot of the, the others that don't win the seven dynamic strikes, super logical with the blinkers coming off 10, one, seven, six, three. That's how I ranked them. That's how I stacked them in the sixth race at Woodbine. There's a look at your early pick five for Saturday race. Number nine is a five furlong turf sprint. It's the vice regent. And I'm going to go to the two. Uh, let's see. Now, where are we going to go to? I'm going to the three outlaw kid in here. Looking at how the race shapes up, the two aim for the sky is pretty quick. And I think he just wants to go. Silent reserve is very fast. He wants to go. And rock crest is right next door to silent reserve. He's very fast. He wants to go. They should be cooking up front if those three horses are all pushing it you also have old blondie who is no slouch and should be forwardly placed i think the three just carves out a really nice trip behind them outlaw kid the recent form is good he just has been in some tough races he was facing graded stakes company two star back right here at woodbine and last time out he was behind our shot who's in good form he has the right type of style where he has enough speed to stay close, but he can sit and pass some horses. The number three outlaw kid is the play for me in the feature race at Woodbine on Saturday. That is race number nine on Saturday at Woodbine. Best of luck playing the races on Saturday at Woodbine. That early pick five starts in race number two. Remember whenever you're handicapping the races, if you need some help, drf.com for the past performances. And if you go to DRF bets and sign up, you can get these past performances for free. Good luck. Before we get on over to Louisiana Downs for their Saturday card, we want to let everybody know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, all sorts of uh, folks who she's worked with and has experience with. Maybe you need help with the loan process. Don't worry. She will expedite that for you because she can help connect you to a lender who knows that the right types of things you need to do will check all the boxes for you, will make sure that it is easy for you throughout that process. That's what her job is to make your life easier. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Phil Cleek, handicapper and horse owner, joins me along with Roxanne Tanner, ambassador for Louisiana Downs, who's also the on-track handicapper. We take a look at Louisiana Cup Saturday, six stakes races for Louisiana breads, 
all $75,000 purses, and they are really good fields, contentious races, great betting, some low takeout racing there at Louisiana Downs. Let's preview Saturday, Louisiana Cup Day. Very excited for a big weekend coming up at Louisiana Downs. It is Louisiana Cup Day on Saturday. Six stakes races on a nine-race card. They are all worth $75,000. And uh, we are going to talk about all six of those stakes races. Myself, Gina Bacola, my friend Phil Cleek, who is a very good handicapper and an owner, uh, knows the horses on the Louisiana Downs track and, and the Louisiana circuit very, very well. Phil joined me to talk races uh, last year a little bit, and we like to go back and forth when we're talking racing and watching the races at Louisiana. Phil, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Gino. Um, you know, we became fast friends uh, watching my horse Superwise run. Great horse. Uh, unfortunately, Superwise got claimed and is now up in Minnesota uh, at last scene. But uh, anyway, we're, uh, we're back in business with a couple of more. I've got a couple of Louisiana breads. Uh, one named Emily has her turn. That's a two-year-old filly with Justin Johnson and another one by the name of Spirit of Dreams, who is also at Evangel. And right now, as a matter of fact, he runs on Sunday, uh, Saturday, uh, which is Cup Day at, at Louisiana Downs. Um, and he's in the fourth race. Awesome. So uh, if any of the listeners uh, want to uh, take a look at uh, that particular race, then uh, uh, we're in the Fourth race, number six. And you uh, you could hear my chihuahua, Ellie, who I'm dog-sitting. She's excited. I, I was wondering if that yeah. was my dog. That, I was going to know. No, no, that's that's mine. So she'll calm down in a second. I think the mailman just came by. Eleanor, you need to calm down just a little bit. But we're excited for Saturday, Louisiana Cup Day, six stakes races. And we also got Phil's horse running over at Evangeline to get you some action. Now, folks, we are going to dive into the daily racing form past performances and we are going to be looking at the formulator past performances now what i encourage everyone is you, know, you want to play the races you want to get these past performances for free and by signing up for drf bets you can actually do so uh every time you bet 50 bucks you'll get a credit for another card of past performances that you want so if you're wagering you'll be able to stack credit they even have a match deposit bonus of 250 right off the bat for a, a sign-up bonus for you. And Phil and I are going to dive into these past performances right now and take a look at the uh, the PPs for races two and all of the stakes races on Saturday at Louisiana. And I got to say, Phil, this is the second year now that I've been doing some work with Louisiana Downs. In both years, Louisiana Cup Day have been, just like it should be, the best cards of the year, of the meet. The fields are deep. Absolutely. The stars have shown up. The bet the betting racing looks incredible. Like I have to give it up to the whole team over there, racing secretary and everyone, because they did a great job getting so many quality horses to show up again for Louisiana Cup Day. Absolutely, I think this year it's even stronger. Gino, yeah. uh, looking at the these races, 
uh, it's much more difficult, at least to me, from a standpoint of handicapping. And I didn't do a very good job last year. So I hope I do a better job this year with uh, with it being more difficult, at least on paper. Um, and they have been doing a wonderful job at Louisiana Downs, especially you. You know, you look at the at the purses that they have. They've increased the purse structure on uh, on the daily cards. The the fields lately, especially, have been phenomenal. And of course, one of the reasons, yeah, one of the reasons for that is is uh, is Matt Crawford riding some races that the horsemen want to to put their horses in. But another thing I think is uh, Lone Star their meet ending. We've had an influx of a lot of the Texas horsemen and jockeys uh, yeah. that have made their riding colony stronger at Louisiana Downs. And that's created fuller fields. And another thing that they've done at Louisiana Downs is on Monday and Tuesday, uh, the start times have been at 4.05. Well, that helps two ways. One with the horses themselves because they're running in intense heat during this time of the year. But another thing it does is it allows those South Louisiana horsemen uh, from Evangeline to bring their horses up comfortably the next morning, get them Good to the point. track in the receiving barn well in time for them to get any medications that they need. The process is so day. much easier with that post time it, now. Oh, it, it it's just so much better. You you know you've got all of these people not just for Saturday, but several of the Louisiana, uh, South Louisiana horsemen coming up and running on the, on the regular race day cards at Louisiana Downs. And it's just been, oh, it's been tough from a handicapping standpoint for me, but from the standpoint of full fields, handicapping opportunities for the horse players, uh, I, I just think that, that we're headed in the right direction. And uh, I do have another horse at Louisiana Downs uh, that is in training with Joey Foster. Uh, he's an Arkansas bred by the name of Moonshine Swag. And you can look for him to possibly start late in the meet at Louisiana Downs. If we don't get a chance to run at Louisiana, uh, we'll probably go to Oaklawn and train up to a race there. Of course, you know the purses are ridiculous. Monster purses for at Arkansas Oaklawn. Breads. Yeah, yeah I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the book, and there's a race on the second day, which is Saturday, um, a maiden special weight uh, for my type of horse, and it's 116,000. So, Woo! you know, so, and, and a lot of the Arkansas horsemen are at Louisiana Downs right now. It's a natural step. The training uh, Timing surface and... is so good at Louisiana Downs. It's one of the safest surfaces there is to train and race on. And a lot of the, the horsemen are doing a, uh, doing themselves a service by not having to ship a long way uh, to keep their horses fit and also getting them ready for the upcoming Oaklawn meet in December. So lots of good things going on. Kevin Preston's got things going well. That team, and of man, course, Roxanne Kevin, and all the team. Gonna, you mentioned all the ones that I, I had, I was getting ready to mention too, from Kevin to Matt to Roxanne really feels like that team they're all doing a great job. They're all well, great. For they're in step with the horsemen, Gino. Yeah. I really believe that. And then, of course, you have the return of the Super Derby this year as well. And that's going to add some more prestige to uh, this race meet at Louisiana Downs. And, of course, they're celebrating the 50th year of racing this year at Louisiana Downs. 
And we are going to celebrate with a great Louisiana Cup card Saturday, August the 5th. If you want to follow along with me and Phil, we're going to go through all six of the stakes races on the card. And we're going to start with race number two as we look at the Louisiana Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. And Phil, we have a horse to the outside in here that is such an impressive runner. Uh, this is a yeah. four-year-old filly now, free like a girl. She has won 13 of her 28 career starts. What I found incredibly impressive, she is a 12, so she's a 12-time stakes winner out of her 13 right. wins. If you took the rest of the field and added them up combined, they have four stakes wins combined, and she's got 12. Three times as many as the rest of the field put together. She's versatile. She can sprint. She can go a little longer. She can sit. She's just been such a nice horse to to train, to own for uh, Chassis Pommier. Thornton's going to be aboard to ride. She's five to two on the morning line. And she's a very, very classy uh, four-year-old Louisiana bred now. Yeah, and already 13 wins to her credit overall as well. And one you kind of would love to own right there. Yep. Uh, pays the bills extremely well. Um, she is a dandy. She's uh, uh, so versatile. She can run any distance, any surface. It doesn't matter. She shows up virtually every time. Uh, she is one for two at Louisiana Downs. And obviously, she's a choice in this race. Uh, and seems like she'll get a, a fair amount of speed to set up. Yeah. Her what I think will be a late kick uh, does have to deal with that outside post position, but you know, they can kind of evaluate where they're sitting at that point and makes it a little easier. And uh, she won't um, suffer any from giving up a little bit of ground because no. uh, she knows how to uh, put that uh, turn of foot in, uh, in deep stretch. Um, there is speed in this race. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of speed coming from the two miss priority. Yeah. Uh, that particular horse um, with uh, Gerard and Alonso on board has shown some speed in the past and has shown uh, uh, some pretty good efforts in two of her last three races. Um, she is going to add fuel to that fire along with several others. There's a horse in here that I'm interested to see how she's going to perform uh, coming from Monmouth Park, uh, a recent acquisition of the Shane Wilson barn. Uh, was with Jose Camejo. The total uh, wild card in this race, right? The yeah, he's, yeah, yeah and, and you're talking about blinkers on for the uh, leading trainer, Shane Wilson, in this particular race. So uh, Joel Dominguez, who is, I believe, the leading rider at this stage at Louisiana Downs, he's in a battle with uh, Jose Guerrero at this stage. And uh, he, he appears to be a horse who, if he can take to the track, and he has run on this track mm -hmm. a couple of times in the past with the win. But if he can take to the track after the ship, um, he's going to be one to deal with, I think, in through the I agree. stretch. I think if you're if you're trying to beat the 12 or if you're using others along with what however you're playing this race, this horse is in the mix for me, no doubt about it. Because things that you're pointing out, you know, she's got a little more speed than I think it looks like she had in her last few races. Like she can, can sit closer. She can also pass horses and she's won over this track. The blinkers come on. She's seven times stakes placed for top notch connections here. She hasn't been beaten that all that much by free, like a girl, a few different times. I have no problem including her in exotics. Phil, the, the two for me that I'm kind of intrigued by that I think could be okay. Prices are, 
um, to use with the, along with the 12 or right next to each other, the six and the seven. I actually think Zydeco Music, the other Shane Wilson horse, could get the type of trip that we're, we're thinking maybe free like a girl gets, sitting off a good amount of speed in here where she actually faced open company last time out when she was third and she was only beating the neck. She beat Miss Priority last time out. She's been very good at the Louisiana bred level in the Louisiana bred ranks. She's proven here. So is she as good as the 12? Well, no, she's not as proven. I think if you took the free like a girl out of this race, the rest of the field is all pretty competitive, right? They're all sort of like, there's not a lot that separates them. So if I'm playing the race that way, I think the six and seven are both very intriguing horses to use in the mix. No, however you're playing. Yeah, I, I, I can see your point on Zydeco music for sure. Anytime Shane Wilson puts two in, it's not like he's trying to put in an entry to beat someone. He actually believes he can win both of those races. And of course they're for different connections as well. Yep. So they've been aiming for this spot. Um, a couple of horses that I was looking at as possible upsetters, and I may be going out on a, precarious limb here. Oh, we got to get on the limb though. Every now and then. <laughs> Final quest. Number three with Tommy Pompel aboard for Brett Brinkman. Brinkman's barn has been on fire lately at Louisiana Downs. That's one thing to look at. And this filly faced free like a girl, a couple of races back, had a little trouble throughout in that race. Didn't really get up into the mix, but only finished a few links behind in fifth in that race going five and a half. This race, of course, is at six, and that was at Evangeline Downs. And a lot of times, horses, you either like the Evangeline Downs surface or you don't. And some horses that don't particularly like the Evangeline surface will absolutely love Louisiana Downs for whatever reason. Some like both, but some horses that have been running at Evangeline and have been running against that tough type of company, they get a change of surface and they just come alive for some reason. This is a horse that I am definitely going to have a couple of dollars on in my savers uh, for the exactas and, and a, maybe even a win bet if the price is right. But uh, the three horse in this race, also another one that I am considering for my exactas is number 11, Nunya. Nunya has raced at Louisiana Downs four times and she's won twice, and she's been second twice. Never been out of the exacta at Louisiana Downs. Yes, she's probably been running against a little bit cheaper competition in the last time she did try to go up against tougher competition was against Free Like a Girl at Evangeline Downs. Back to Louisiana Downs, where she's she's done her her best running. This will be a horse for me with Juan Vargas, who is is an outstanding jockey, one that really gets the most out of his horses, very aggressive. And he's someone who's been doing very well at Evangeline Downs as well. So, uh, you know, the connections of this horse, Ronnie Ward, uh, always does well at Louisiana Downs. And uh, they're bringing this one in, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a long shot to take a look at. Yeah, the five is honest, but I don't think the race shapes up that well with all the speed in here for a bill out who's uh, who's likely going to be forwardly placed. A horse who's just a total wild card, too, is the one, Nora G. 
You know, she ran really well in her first three starts all against Louisiana Bread Company last year at Fairgrounds. And then she stepped up and faced open company in the Silver Bullet Day. The horse who beat her that day was a horse named the Alley's Look. And she actually yeah. came back to run third in the Kentucky Oaks. Um, well, and her, her only bad race, Gino, is the race where she went a route of ground. Yeah. Her other so, races, she was right there at the wire. So it's, you know, we have to deal with the layoff and the rail draw, which might not be easy in a big field like this where she could get trouble and shuffled back. But, you know, Emmanuel Nieves, who's always one of the top riders around in that top five perennially. Um, one of my favorites. Right. The sensation he's able to. Uh, I don't mind trip. putting him on. I don't mind putting him on my horses no. either. He's an outstanding rider. And this one's a price that is Nora G in a very fun race to kick off the first of six stakes races for Louisiana breads on Louisiana Cup Day on Saturday. Let's move to the third race. We're going to take a look at the Louisiana Cup Distaff in race number three, and there are some fun horses uh, who you know we've seen and we know pretty well. Fort Polk has been in stakes company. This is a seven-year-old mare who was the runner-up in the Louisiana Cup Distaff last year behind the winner of that race, Cheapskate Diva, who's also backing here. She's installed at three to one. You have a horse like uh, Eve's Delight, who's showed speed in a lot of these Louisiana bred stakes races. You have others like uh, uh, to the outside, AG Charlotte, who's become very, very honest and now a seven-time winner. She really blossomed towards the middle to end of her three-year-old year and into the, the start of her four-year-old season. So some real quality fillies and mares in this distaff here, Phil. Talk to us about some of the horses who are on your radar. Well, you mentioned a couple of them, but, um, you know, this is this is a, such a, a difficult race. You can, you know, put put your hand in a, in a bucket and reach yep. out a, a – uh, a number and and had probably just as good as, as, good as, good as good a chance as any because it's such a difficult race. With and I, I think you can make a case for just about anyone in this race. I landed on a cheapskate diva. Uh, I like um, I like how that particular horse has been running. I think she'll have the lead. I think they'll have to come get her. Um, and what I like too about her, Phil, is she's gotten as she's grown up a little bit, which tends to happen. She's gotten a little bit more rateable. Like I, she can relax a little more than she used to feel like she was really, really kind of just one dimensional. If she was headed, she'd back. She can sit off a little bit. And that's what happens as these horses grow up, they get a little more mature and she's, she's tough for me to just leave out of any, like she's so honest. And the barn has only been sending live runners. Oh yes. I mean, Bobby Phelps, ridiculously uh, <laughs> successful lately. Uh, uh, with his runners, uh, I missed a couple of his runners, and I'm a little bit mad at myself uh, for not for not betting on a couple of them. But uh, yeah, from the standpoint of um, making sure that the horses are fit, and ready to go, uh, he's as good as any. And uh, yeah, I, and you know, I like who else her. is as good as any? Phil Roxanne, who joins <laughs> us right now. Hey, I have, I have to say uh, sorry to Roxanne because we had all planned out for earlier in the week and we had to call an audible. So very happy that Roxanne was able to join us to talk Roxanne. We just jumped into race three. So we're talking about the, the distaff here and we were talking about the four cheapskate diva and how unbelievable the Felks barn has been with like everything they've been sending out this year. Well, real quick about Bobby. He literally is a five horse trainer. I mean, that's all he has in his barn. And he's <laughs> so meticulous with his horses. Like it's, 
it's crazy. I mean, the man knows every little bump, caught anything on that horse hair. You know, he knows them all. So he definitely does well for what few horses. I have a feeling he's going to be getting a few more in his stable. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, and what a cool Philly cheapskate diva is, obviously the winner last year. So we'll see if she can do a repeat. But this is no easy race, as you guys are well aware. And so I want to introduce Roxanne for those of you who have been watching. Roxanne is the ambassador over at Louisiana. She's the on-track handicapper. She does a fantastic job. You've probably seen her and the star uh, shining even more on TVG recently. They've been having a lot of interviews with her. Uh, she sets everything up. And Roxanne, we were praising um, Matt again with what a great job they did with the card this year and last year. These Louisiana Cup stakes days are unbelievable. All six of the stakes races, quality and quantity, like the best of all the Louisiana breads. That is true. Very much so. You know, they they hustled, um, you know, and that's one thing about, you know, Louisiana breads. There's a high demand for them and it's a great breeding incentive here in the state. And so... Definitely a worthwhile day of races, and uh, we're pretty excited about how well this uh, card filled and uh, the horses that are running on Saturday. So, Phil, we're talking about the four cheapskate diva, who's no doubt a major player and a horse to beat in here. One horse that's I might throw into some exotics at a price that I'm intrigued by is a horse, uh, the number six star moment, who's not as proven as some of the others, but... She really has not done much wrong, and Calhoun and Thornton don't come out to Louisiana a whole bunch, but when they do, they usually come out trying to win races and very live. I think she can sit a nice, nice trip in here, and uh, she has some upside as a three-year-old filly who can keep getting better and better. She was one I wanted to mention. Uh, Roxanne, talk about this race a little bit. Who are some of the horses on your radar in the distaff here? Well, you just keyed in on one of my uh, long shot plays in that race as well, Gino. And we, I do think me, me and you, Gino, we do, uh, whenever I get your selections in, I'm like, oh man, you know, <laughs> great minds, great minds. Um, but, you know, it is a very tough race. I mean, Patricia West's horse in here, AG Charlotte, yep. she ran a banger of a race last out against Lady Jeopardy, which is Joe Duhon's runner. And that was open company, too. Exactly. And you should have seen Patricia. She was in the hallway pacing back and forth, you know, nervous. <laughs> and uh, everybody knows Patricia because um, she's Lee Thomas's assistant here as well. So she's a, a multitasker in that regard. But um, she, you know, she's one of those as well. She carries a full plate. And uh, but she she's very invested with her runners, obviously, to, and especially Louisiana breads. Um, so definitely a very contentious race. I do like Brett Calhoun's uh, horse in there as well. I think he's uh, turning the corner the right direction here of late. And uh, she's, uh, oh, this is not an easy race. No. Yeah. The, the, those are the ones on my radar for sure. The four, six, eight, who we spoke about kind of in that top tier for me. Well, Phil, uh, who else? Gino, you they, they say brilliant minds think alike. So I can definitely tell I'm not in the brilliant category because <laughs> I did not, I did not like star moment at all. I think she's a cut below, but that doesn't mean she can't win simply because I don't like one. That's uh, 
that's certainly uh, it, not a reason to bet against one if you I, like one. I was curious about the seven here, little birdie call, who's been also facing open company yeah. for Lazada with Patty Turner. She'll make the third start of her form cycle. She might be in a good spot. She might be kind of moving in the right direction. Phil, talk to us about anyone else in this race that, you, that you're looking well, at. Well, I'm, I'm heading in another direction. I love Eve's Delight in this race. I think Eve's Delight is the horse that's going to surprise everybody uh, and, you know, has been running again last time at Evangeline Downs, last three times at Evangeline Downs, and has been fourth, second, and fourth. And I think coming to Louisiana Downs, where she's won two races, she's going to love being back home. And then she's going to get the pace, I think. There's going to be a little pressure put on Cheapskate Diva in this race by Star Moment, by, by some of the others, A.G. Charlotte, who I thought was a little workmanlike in her last win, even though it was against Open Company. I'm not sailing, saying she's tailing off or anything, but uh, that last win to me just wasn't impressive enough for me to, to put uh, a check mark by her. But uh, a horse also to the outside that I like, along with uh, the two horse, is a whole lot of mo. That's another one that I think will be running in the lane. And uh, so my exactors yeah. are going to be Cheapskate Diva, uh, Eve, Eve's Delight, and um, Evie's Delight, and whole lot of mo. And that's, that's just an exact the, box that I'll be playing. That's the type of race it is. Honestly, we we're going to see so many horses that can win these races that really can. The horse that Phil mentioned, whole lot of mo. You've got uh, AG Charlotte. Uh, birdie call star moment cheapskate diva um either the inside two horses none of them would shock me in this race like any of them have a legitimate shot that's what makes these louisiana cup days so good so many ways you can uh find value and such contentious races as we turn the page to race number four we got the babies, it's the juvenile. The Louisiana Cup juvenile is race number four. This one also kicks off the pick six jackpot. Five and a half furlongs. And generally in these races, they will be going pretty quick early because you have a lot of horses that have shown speed or have won. I didn't think there were, there were a lot of horses that actually kind of sat in this race, which is impressive. They, they seem like they're patient. But Roxanne, these it's so impressive to me to see barns with these young horses and i've seen some good ones in louisiana over the last few years these barns that do really really well with these young horses and it's like a whole different ball game for some right some really focus in on the young horses and working with the young ones and others are more you know turf trainers that have horses that are distance types it's really in racing it's just totally different and i love seeing races like this uh, many ways you can go in here talk to us about some of the horses you like in this race the louisiana cup juvenile Oh, geez. Now this is not, you know, these two-year-olds. And I I love baby races. I'm not going to lie. My dad raised me um, through and through to always look at the pedigrees, always study, you know, the works and whatnot. And so two-year-old races, I always, oh, I so love them. Saratoga has been my weakness this year. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, J.J. Gilner, um has the 11 strong promise and JJ yeah. obviously we know him from his dad Scotty Gilmer and uh you know JJ's very attentive I saw him out this morning asked him about you know 
how everybody was doing. And, uh, you know, he said, everybody's training great, you know, and he actually has a horse that, you know, we might see super derby not running this weekend, but, uh, we talked a little bit about that, but JJ, you know, he's been very lucky with his two-year-old this year and he's, uh, for a young trainer, I think he's, uh, 22, 23, give or take. Wow. Um, you know, he's very much like his father. And when you spend 125,000, um, on a horse at the Texas sale like that and a two-year-old at that, I mean, they've got some ability. Yeah. 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 So you don't very, very see that very much. So obviously the horse has two outs, you know, would have liked CJ to come in and ride, but obviously they're bringing in Luisa Fuentes. And so, uh, just, uh, we'll see. He's tough to leave out for me too. Right. Like he, he could be really good from the outside there. Um, yeah, and, and he's a good starting point in this race, which is a field of 12. Uh, Phil, give us give us a couple that are on your radar. Well, obviously, that's the standout of the bunch. His race at yeah. Lone Star was uh, fabulous. I was I was there to see that race last time. That, uh, that is an outstanding two-year-old. And, you he know, sat he like holds, a winner all the way around, right? If, Just he holds his, if he holds his form, there's no one that can beat him in this race. Yeah. In my opinion, I mean, they're going to have to really I jump out of their skin to be able to, to be able to beat him. That said, you know, CJ McMahon chooses to ride the two uh, for Carol Castile. Um, the uh, horse was trained obviously by Steve Flint before Castile took over the training duties and, you know, he owns the, the farm. So I think he can do whatever he wants to do, but uh, he is a, an outstanding horseman for several years as well. And uh, this horse, fits in the race uh, for sure. And if it improves a little bit, uh, will be difficult to beat. Did come from far off the pace in the Shine Young, the premier race for two-year-olds uh, at Evangeline Downs. Uh, El Dinero was another one that uh, yeah, the horse who beat won him. that race. He was impressive. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And uh, he's one that, that to me fits a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, the one horse at Louisiana Downs, uh, the CD's wildfire broke his maiden and it's been a couple of months ago. And um, this particular horse may like the added distance and uh, was closing resolutely. Uh, not much on the speed figure, but uh, those changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that early two-year-old buyer in a month or two, those change a lot. Right. Right. And they they can. Quite a bit. So yeah, I have no problem. And one other fun one that I, I was just impressed, you know, by watching some of these races. I don't know how good he is or if he can win in this race, but I definitely put him in my stable mail to keep an eye on was rising Kodo star. I was just impressed by that race when, you know, first time out of the box as a two-year-old to come from seven lengths out of it and to close like that, that's, that's impressive. You don't see a lot of horses that can sit, relax, and then come closing visually it was very impressive will need to yeah, and Aubrey up. reunites with that horse as well. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, uh, at least one dimension Roxanne, I think that we have the right horse to start with though. Right. It kind of feels like it almost feels like there's a, there's like two races in here. I think if the 11 runs the race, it's kind of everyone else for second. If the 11 doesn't show up, well then it's very contentious, right? Mm-hmm. Then like any of these other horses, I think could really get in the mix. Well, as we all know, it's, you know, pace makes the race and with these babies i mean they're still out there trying to figure out everything and whatnot you know i i asked shane wilson about his first timer actually i 
It was young Connor Wilson, his son, who's nice. much, you know, in the barn day in and day out and pretty much his his dad's right hand man. And I said, Well, what do you think about your 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 first timer? A thousand dollars. And he said, Dad likes him. So nice. Like, well, if dad likes him, there's some hope there. So and change and another horse that is trained by the trainer of Moonshine Swag, my Arkansas bred, is uh, uh, the uh, three horse uh, Bradfield baby trained by Joey Frost Foster. That's another fast working uh, firster to take and a look at. And barns that are for. good with first time starters too, right? Well, yeah. And if Joey's running him in this spot, then he obviously thinks a lot of it. And the dam of Carolina sky was actually a six time winner. Five of them were on the grass. Uh, well, yeah, this is a classy, this is a classy horse too. She's actually, um, had a, a couple others that are, are decent horses. And like you said, those barns both know how to get horses ready to rock first time out. So uh, maybe Bradfield baby. And we know Papa Wilson likes a thousand dollars a little bit. Uh, we heard it from uh, a little birdie there. Uh, yeah. Let's turn the page. Race five is a race. We aren't going to talk about here, but it's a very important race for all of you because it starts that late pick five. So you really want to get into that low takeout pick five there, which will go from races five through nine. But we will move to the next stakes race on the card, and we will talk about race number six, which now is the juvenile Phillies race. And uh, another race where you you do have a lot of proven closers for a two-year-old race. We've seen a lot of these horses show that they don't mind sitting off the pace and, uh, and coming and getting them. Phil, let's start with you here. Talk to us about uh, who are some of these two-year-old fillies that you're liking. Well, you've got to take a look at uh, several of these. you got uh, Diamond Deal coming off of a very good effort last time out, breaking poorly, circling the field, and just drawing clear. And that was in a straight maiden race. Actually ran against a horse that I'm a partner in called Emily Has Her Turn. Um, and another horse that ran against Emily Has Her Turn that I'm giving a little bit of a chance that had some traffic trouble last time out is the one Sarah's Cork who ran in the, the uh, Philly division of the Shine Young and uh, broke her maiden before that. Uh, she was not able to get up into contention uh, last time out, but um, uh, she definitely has a little bit of ability, showed some grit and determination through the lane. She'll have to improve a little bit uh, in this particular spot. My man G Money is going to be aboard for the first time. Chris Rozier's been riding that horse, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how she responds. But she is a nice filly. Don't let those speed figures fool you against some of these. As the distances get longer, I think she'll be better. Uh, the um, number eight horse is going to be the favorite, I think, and that's running argument. Yeah, uh, off the She's done nothing wrong so far, so she's definitely one to consider. A couple of the others, my trainer, Justin Johnson, has a horse in named Bohemian Jiggles, who had a little bit of difficulty in that uh, last race that she ran in, which was They're the Philly Division. fantastic with the child, too, and the yeah, Absolutely. He, he is a little bit less this year. I've got a two-year-old that I wish he'd be a little bit more fantastic <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're working on that. I think she'll be in that last book at Louisiana Downs, by the way. Emily has her turn to look for her on the grass uh, to run. Uh, hopefully, if Matt can find a, a spot in the, in the final book for a grass race for two-year-old fillies. 
uh, Louisiana breads. And the other horse that I put down, as I mentioned, was Emily's Bullet. Yeah. And now this one is one that has run speed figures at Lone Star a couple of times in the past that will put her right in the mix on this. And of course, Chassis Pommier bringing two over and this one co-owned by her dad. She will definitely be one to take a look at. And in you know what stuff. happened in this race too. So she comes out of the race where there are a lot of the same horses. Um, You're talking about that race on uh, June, on July the 7th. And she, so in the race we're watching, she was the number 10 and she had a good start, but they all lined up on the lead. If you'll notice. So she, they had to make a decision with her right here. What are we going to do? Do we stay on the, on the lead with like six other horses or do we try to kind of take back a little bit? And then all of a sudden, when you take back, you end up just getting farther and farther back than you would have liked. I think she's got a little bit more speed than it may look like with that last running line. And Roxanne, what's so cool about this race is we've got so many of those good two-year-old barns. Like I mentioned Johnson, you were just talking about JJ Gellner, who has a horse at 20 to one with Dominguez aboard the two, who I think might be sort of a little intriguing long shot. The Pommier barn is so good with the young horses. The Wilson barn is Joe Duhon has the nine. That barn has been awesome all throughout the meet. Just another great stakes race here. It really is. I mean, that's the one <laughs> this day is never easy. Let's no, it's hard for us handicappers. Yeah. You know, this is my second cup day to be a part of and it gets tougher and tougher each year. So that we got to chalk that up, but, uh, Shane's horse, you know, Ronnie's deal, it's funny. So actually this week, I, we went out to Red River Farms, which actually stands El Deal, El Dial, however, you know, potato, potato. And uh, I got a little, uh, got to see him up close and personal. And he's definitely that Springer build uh, stallion. And so the one filly, the one horse that really looks like her daddy is this Ronnie's deal. I was kind of, you know, surprised when I saw him. I was like, oh, wow. And uh Again, you know, me and Connor, we talk on the frequent, and he, he's really hoping for a big race from I uh, like her too, Roxy. I think she might be the fastest in here. Agreed. Right? It's all, and you know, Jose is one of those. I mean, if he can get up there and nurse a, a decent pace. Oh, yeah. I think it's, you know, and he's good at that. He's so you know? good at slowing him down, walking the dog, getting aggressive. And I think because of the outside, like, they don't really have other options, right? It just has to be, like, Go and try to get send as hard as you can and get to the front. Exactly. And so I think as long as Jose rides a smart race, I, I think it could be all in their hands if they really wanted it. So. I'm, I'm, I have her and then the horse who Phil had just mentioned, Emily's Bullet, as mm -hmm. sort of the ones that I really am going to try to build some stuff around because I think they could be nice value in here, the both of them. Um, Do not snooze on Sarah's court, people. Sarah's, I'm telling you. Yeah, Sarah's Absolutely. Court. This horse can run and is sneaky good. And it draws the rail, and it hasn't drawn the rail yet. So that's going to be a thing that, that's going to help out. Another thing that you have to consider, and I'm interested in another horse just from you, – you said you were interested in, I believe it was uh, Ronnie's deal, and I am too. Obviously, that's one that can win if it gets to the front pretty easily. But how is Viv's Wild Aces yeah. going to do? Yeah. She's a, that particular horse won easily uh, with Carlos Lozada at Louisiana Downs. It's yeah. going to be kind of a test, I think, in this race of what about the Phillies in South Louisiana and what about the Phillies mm -hmm. 
in North Louisiana. Yeah. It, it's sort of a matchup between these two and uh, how, how are they going to perform on this particular day? A lot of it's going to happen at the break. Yeah, you sort of got Viv's Wild Aces and Ronnie's deal kind of leading the charge for the Louisiana Downs horses, right? And then you got a couple of the others from Evangeline, and we'll see which ones might have the better form. But yeah, no knocks on the nine there. Uh, Roxanne, any of uh, these other two-year-olds you want to mention before we turn the page? I think you guys have done a fabulous job. So I'm, I'm just uh, listening to all y'all's wealth of information. So that way I'm taking notes for Saturday. Perfect. We'll still Perfect. be waiting for you and your paddock analysis on oh, Saturday yeah. so we can actually place our wagers. And the key, too, is like what we're hearing from Roxanne, the, the stories and the tidbits that she's able to get from people from being around there on the track day in, day out. And, and then, oh, I remember this horse that ran two months ago and then you saw him the next time and they showed some improvement. Or though you remember what happened last time, the rate it was raining. And so they really didn't have a chance that day. You know, that's the kind of thing that's really nice when you have follow along with Roxanne now and you listen to some of her analysis. She's going to give you those things that you can't find in the form. And you can't find in the past performances either. So that's a real bonus uh, to, to make sure to follow along with Roxanne and get that great information. As we move to the final two stakes races on the Saturday card, we have the Louisiana Cup Turf Classic. And we have, again, like a big field lining up 12 horses with an also eligible. You have... Woods and Water, who comes in from Evangeline, just missed in a stakes race last time out, but won the Louisiana Legends Turf two back at Evangeline. That'll be a major player in here. Carlia's Dream was won this race back in 2021, was fifth in this race last year. You have Boudreaux Talking, who is a stone-cold closer, is absolutely no speed, but he comes flying every time, and he's so scary to not have on your ticket when you see him starting to starting to build up that momentum. Uh, Phil, let's start with you here in the Louisiana. If you haven't had Classic. that horse, if you haven't had that horse on your ticket for the last 10 times, you've right? lost 70% yeah. of the time. Uh-huh. Because yep. at Louisiana Downs, this horse has won 7 of 10. That is tough to beat. He yep. is a Louisiana Franks turf course legend, uh, formerly known as the Sawyer turf course. I don't know if you knew that, Gino. Nice. That's some information from an old guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, uh, obviously that's the horse to beat, in my opinion, in this yep. race. I don't care if he's 50 lengths behind. He knows where that wire is uh, when they come through the lane. The uh, other horse that I like is Carly's Dream, um, you know, two for three at Louisiana Downs didn't fare so well last year, as you noted. Uh, but, uh, this is a fantastic horse, uh, a great horsewoman, uh, Karen Jacks, the trainer bringing in for a, a, a Texan that, uh, knows how to win races, Carl Moore. And, um, you know, it's just going to be a, a difficult race because you do have such great horses. You got a, a wonderful horse like woods and water always there. She's been a uh, he's been a star at uh, Evangeline uh, this summer as well. Uh, you got uh, for Shane Wilson another yeah. seven time winner right over the you, turf course. You, 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 yeah, obviously at, at a little lower levels and, and not quite as tough competition perhaps, but uh, had a fantastic performance last time at Louisiana Downs off the layoff and and comes in. Uh, into this race with good credentials as well. And there are others in there that have a chance 
uh, in that particular race, but I've got to go with uh, with the old standby of mine that I've cashed a lot of tickets on, Boudreaux Talking, and then Carlia's Dream and Woods and Water to round out my exactas and tries. You know where you'll uh, you know where Boudreaux will be. You'll have some blinker. You'll have some binoculars on early, looking for him. I will, I will, be, wa- I will yeah. be watching. You I won't be, be watching. You have to say you, you don't really need to until about the last quarter of the race, right? right? And, that, I, and I can't do that, Gino, because I always want to move before my jockeys want to move, and that's <laughs> that's never a good thing. So, so I'm just going to let them do the work on that, and I'll I'll wait until you'll, they get to the eighth hole, and John McGarrity says. Up and after the lead, here comes Boudreaux talking, you know, and, and we'll go on from there. Roxanne, uh, again, Phil mentioned so many, and all of them are live quality horses. And it's cool to see horses like that for, for a couple of years. A horse like Carlia's Dream, who was back in 2021, won this and then showed back up again last year and is here again and has been handled really well by Karen Jack. Some even others that I thought were sort of fun uh, to mention, a horse like the six is like a wild card who comes in from Evangeline and it tries to turf for the first time. Like no idea with this horse, total wild card spotting experience, but who knows the 10 you got Dominguez who's been incredible. And this is a horse who's in good form against open company, uh, you know, in the last couple, just when you can mention eight to 10 horses in each of these races, that just means that even in a day when there's Saratoga and Del Mar running on Saturday, the most contentious races and the best betting races anywhere are at Louisiana Downs. That is true. I mean, even this past week, it was heck and high water freaking handicapping <laughs> races. Yeah. Let me tell you, I was, uh, it was one of those struggles I was having where I was banging my head up against the wall. And then, you know, they crossed the finish line and I'm like, Looking back at my, you know, the form saying, what? Why didn't I have that one? Because yeah. you, you're like, well, I, you can only pick three. Because all of them have a shot. Yeah, that, and that's what it's been. It's been that contentious. Uh, talk to us about this Turf Classic. Who are some of the horses you might be using? Well, I mean, you keyed in on uh, in all, uh, a number of horses that I like. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my aching arch just impressed in his last race. His last three have been against open company. And I think he's on the right turn right now. I think and he's in great form. And I think that's really kind of in his corner. So I'm, I'm using, I have like, I think three horses that are going to be in the mix for me. Like if I'm playing late pick fours, pick fives, two, five, 12 in here. Those are the three who Phil mentioned. And I think with those horses, I'll get a pretty good like, – I oh my aching arch with Guerrero. I think he's going to put himself in a good spot because in this race, he may not be as good as some of the others. So what do you want to do? You want to try to get an advantage. Let's get the jump on them. Let's maybe sit in front of some of these horses that might be better than us and see if we can move before. And that's what Jose does so well. He, they love this turf course. Uh, he sat fourth last time out, about two lengths off, just kind of kept the horse in the clear and then pressed the button at the right time and moved. And – I agree with you. I I'm using the two all over the place along with the horse that Phil mentioned. And the five is just cool. I mean, he just shows up each and every time woods and water. Like he's really hard to knock uh, overall. For sure. And I mean, Carly is dream. I mean, Karen Jacks has done such a good job with him in her barn and it has very, you know, he's thrown in a couple of races where you're just kind of head scratching, like what happened there. You know, Iron Diego's coming in to ride him, and uh, he knows his horse in and out. So I do think that's kind of a a, a perk for him in that regard. Um, 
but it's a tough race. So it's one of those where, you, you know, it's so good. It's, you're darned if you do and darned if you don't. Roxanne was talking about how tough it's been at Louisiana Downs lately. I can vouch for that. I spent a $54 pick four ticket the last race, the last time they ran, and I hit one winner out of the four. Yeah. And it was in yeah. the last leg. So you're, you know, you're over three to start. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was so difficult and great racing at Louisiana Downs. I can't blame anyone for myself because I could find those horses easily after i you know saw the races but uh you know it is difficult from a handicapping standpoint and, and it won't be any less easy on saturday no and just to piggyback that because misery loves company last week i was zero for six with the the six best bets that i sent in <laughs> none of them and it was the same sort of thing like you look after it's like the horses ran like a second or third or not bad and the horses that beat them were logical but you just can't use them all right it's and that's what is so good about what we've seen from the product that Louisiana Downs has put forth this year will close out the stakes portion of Saturday with the eighth race, the Louisiana Cup Sprint. They will be flying in here early. And Roxanne, we have some sharp horses in here. Uh, you know, a horse like Black Sword, who comes in from Evangeline for Ronnie Averett has won two in a row and has sat really nicely in both of those stakes races against Louisiana breads after facing open company. You have Pickens who's won a couple in a row and is in nice form. Big chopper always shows up with good efforts on turf on dirt. That doesn't matter. Those are probably kind of the, the talking points to start with at least. Yeah. Mike J's in the mix. Like just again, when you look at a race and I don't even know if anyone's going to be under three to one in here. Like that's like, it's just going to be a, a very contentious group. I mean, again, you know, you just, there's so many horses you can key in on. I even think even Pat Mouton, uh, Hilaire, I mean, yep. only has one start at the meet, but you know, he's three for three in his last, uh, in his, yeah, out of four starts this year. And um, another those races last year, he got in trouble too. Like he's been in good form for a while and just feeling really, really good about himself. And so, yeah. And it's one thing about it is um, Mr. Pat's very meticulous in making sure his horses are, you know, running in a, in a race that he feels like they fit, you know, and obviously he just hasn't had the best of luck. Some of the races he's entered, he's only just haven't gone. So, uh, you know, and so here he comes into this race, and I, I definitely think he's one that you can't really exclude also. Um, but, I mean, huh, it's it's not an easy race. You know, Black Sword, you, you keyed in on Ronnie Everett, um, two for two right now, May Ant, or uh, down at Evangeline, um, has only one start here at Louisiana Downs, and it was his second, and that was with last year's Louisiana Cup friends, so... I mean, not an easy, easy race. So definitely everyone's got their work cut out for them. Phil, who are, uh, who are some of the horses that are going to be in the mix for you? I'm going to go back outside to the Gellner barn. I like big chopper in this race. I just love yeah. this horse. Yeah. Uh, big chopper is a horse that again, he's cashed a couple of nice tickets for me at fairgrounds. Uh, he is always in the mix, no matter where he runs. He ran second at uh, Lone Star last time out, only beating ahead. I had him that day as well, but uh, he's one that uh, just throws his best any surface, any distance. It doesn't matter. 
a big chopper, just a fine, fine the Louisiana the horse, he, the horse he lost to, too, is an open bred horse named Cogburn, who's actually yep. running this weekend at Saratoga. Um, horse, I believe. Yeah, so, um, you know, just to give you an idea, that's a really quality runner who, who he faced. Um, and this is major class relief, right? I mean, you're facing Louisiana breads here versus that spot. Um, right. I think six furlongs is per like he's run very well at six two, so maybe five and a half and five sometimes could be a little short for him with his running style. This might be even better for him. Well, he's obviously been running company with Black Sword, uh, you know, three races that, that yep. Black Swords came out on the top end. But there's something about this race. I think there's going to be a little pace, and I yeah. think that's going to give him an opportunity to to come off off the pace. Uh, another horse or two that I want to mention Mike J yeah, yep. um, with Aubrey Green. That particular horse uh, came from the 10 post at Evangeline Downs and was able to hold on and win by a neck going seven eighths of a mile. A little turn back, a little different. Don't think it'll be quite on the lead, but I didn't think Exactly, right? Can he sit right off? That's what I'd love to see right. him just right I off. Think he, I think he can, and, and Aubrey knows how to get him to finish as well. So that's one to consider. A horse that had a great start at Louisiana Downs for my friend who's battled cancer so so strongly uh, over the past uh, several months or almost a year now, I know, uh, George Bryant has pickings in this particular yeah. race. Yep. Uh, did win uh, uh, last time at Louisiana Downs against slightly easier. He's had a little time off, but they've been aiming him for this spot. He was ultra impressive. In his last that trip we're hoping for, right, Phil? That same sort of trip we're looking for just behind the speeds? Absolutely. Although, you know, I think this horse can do pretty much anything he wants to. You're right. He's really versatile. I think he's, I think he's pretty versatile. can sit on the lead, near the lead, stalk, do whatever he wants to do. He's he's in good form right now, and he's one you don't want to discount. And uh, Riley Mayon has ex-clown returning to the scene of the crime. And she just acquired this horse fairly recently uh, by a claim a couple of races back at Louisiana Downs, has uh, hit the board once with him. And I think that uh, Devin, knowing how to ride Louisiana Downs track, especially on big days like this, is going to bring this one through the stretch charging. And I don't know if it's going to be enough time to get there or not, but uh, X-Clown will be making a push through the lane, and um, I think we'll do his best running this one late. So, lots of lots of horses. Even Autumn Strongman is one that I took a look at, um, as well as a long shot. And uh, Angel Suarez gets aboard this one, and he's a good aggressive rider, and I think that fits that horse's running style. Well, we hope we were able to help you out a little bit with these six stakes races on Saturday. It is. The best card of the year so far at Louisiana Downs. We're going to have a big card coming still later on in the meet with the Super Derby to come. But Roxanne, uh, we have first post, 105 local time, 105 central time, nine races on the card, all the big exotic wagers with the pick six jackpot, with the pick five, with the pick four quality. What other stuff can we expect on track? I'm sure there's going to be a, a big day and a lot of folks out there having a great time. It's going to be a great, fun afternoon. Um, we do, if you're local and uh, want to come out for the races, there's going to be a scholarship giveaway for 
uh, incoming freshmen, uh, $1,000 are going to get away during the fifth race. Uh, just make sure you bring a valid ID, all the good stuff, all the bells and whistles. So the Breeders Association here in the state is really good about uh, helping out uh, with college uh, tuition and uh, hopefully they use it to join the, the, the ranks of uh, horse racing. Who knows if they had a degree, right? Um, and they do. So, but we'll also have a uh, food truck alley. We've got uh, a lot of food trucks in the, as John McGarry says, the best food trucks in the Arklatex area. They'll be out. We'll have some fun for the kids with jump houses and bouncy houses and some other great activities for everybody to enjoy. So it's going to be a fun day. It's pretty exciting. We always try to get family out and about and uh, where, while the kids are out playing in the bouncy houses, mom and dad can go grab a drink and uh, play some horses. If anyone wants to get some more information too, uh, Martha Clausen did a press release about just to kind of preview the day. It's always Martha does a great job. She knows everything going on over there. But mm-hmm. Roxanne, I really uh, want to give you so m- uh, much credit for how great a job you're doing this year. I've been so impressed with your work. It's not easy to kind of step up and have to handicap the races every day, every single race, every day. <laughs> like no, no days off, no races off. And that's not the only job you're doing. You're doing all sorts of other things on top of it. That alone is a full-time job, just trying to handicap the races every day. And then handicapping and presenting the races are two different, totally different skills. Like the greatest handicappers in the world sometimes can't tell you why they like a horse. And you've been able to do that really, really well. It is not easy. You're filming videos. You're doing uh, promotional stuff for the restaurant. You're uh, Roxy on the road. You're doing interviews. I have been so impressed with how much work and how well you've been doing. And uh, I just, I wanted to make sure to give you a lot of credit for it because you're doing a great Very job. Much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no such thing as a day off when you work. No, right. No. So, and it's funny, uh, literally today's my day off from the racetrack, but I was still there helping uh, some friends out with some horses today. So, and then talking with us, right? Yeah. So, and, yeah, and don't forget, yeah, it's all good. Laundry can wait until later. <laughs> and don't forget, Gino, she is the diva of FanDuel TV on Mondays, yeah, and she has generated so much interest in Louisiana Downs racing just through that. The interviews, uh, you absolutely. Know, and, and, and running at 4.05, ultimate time for everybody that's coming home from work to fire up their uh, account wagering and, and get started. I actually printed out the picture of Roxanne's face on the big screen. I've got the fat head in my room now of Roxanne. It was, it's so funny when they put our your heads on the big screen and you're like, I've never seen myself so big before. But you look great and you sound great and you're doing a great job being the ambassador for Louisiana Downs, and and you know uh, they made a fantastic hire. Kevin's done so great over the last few years. We talked about Matt, all the great work he's done. Matt Crawford, the racing secretary, putting these cards together. Uh, Phil, put a final bow on this for us. Uh, um, it's been a great pleasure to visit with you guys today and talk Louisiana Downs racing on on this fabulous day of racing. Hope everybody does well. I hope they stick around after the simulcast to bet on Spirit of Dreams in the fourth at Evangeline Downs and then come back to Louisiana Downs, especially in time to see Emily has her turn, break her maiden on the grass down there uh, toward the end of the meet. So everybody have a great day on Saturday and best of luck. And we'll uh, let's plan on doing this again on Super Derby Day. 
and we can go over a couple of those big races. We can pump up uh, everything happening there and really get uh, get some buzz out there for Louisiana. No joke, folks. I've looked at the races this weekend at Woodbine, at Saratoga, at Del Mar. There's good races there, but the best card and the most contentious and most difficult fields are at Louisiana Downs. Make sure to get involved. The low takeout what? pick four. Low takeout One pick five. Things, right? you know, Go ahead, Phil. Sneak, if I can Please. sneak it in. Please. Good luck, good luck to my friend in the last race uh, on um, with, um, oh, gosh, the horse's name is uh, uh, Scampering Gracie. And oh, no. my friend Blake Lazenby with Golden Sky Racing, he's got her in on the grass. And awesome. unfortunately, Blake, I will drop her odds because I'll have a bet on it. So that's the five in the last race. If you're looking for a nice get out play or a horse to throw into some of your late exotics as well. Uh, we're going to hear the voice of John McGarry. He does such a great job over there calling the races to the crew at Louisiana. So fantastic. Make sure to follow Roxanne and uh, follow along with all of her work. If you ever are tuned in, She's someone that you can listen to, you can trust. She's done the homework, and she knows these horses. She knows the track. She knows the connections. Let's all have a blast this weekend. Let's make some money on Saturday out at Louisiana Downs. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. Big thank you to Phil and to Roxanne for taking some time out of their schedules to help us out handicapping Louisiana's really good Saturday card for Louisiana Cup Day. Let's finish up the Saturday racing Del Mar. I've got some best bets for Saturday. I also recorded this one on a video using the DRF Pass Performances. So if you want to follow along, you can come over to social media and watch the video. Here is the audio Del Mar best bets for Saturday. Saturday, Del Mar, another big weekend ahead. We're going to take a look at the August 5th races at Del Mar. I'm going to give you three plays throughout the day there. It's actually going to be the first time. Uh, probably the first time that I can remember where the stakes race really isn't all the, the feature stakes race really isn't all that playable. We've had some incredible fields at Del Mar, Clement Hirsch, smaller field, not exactly sure if we're going to be able to get a big price in there. So let's try to find some value elsewhere on the card. We're going to look at the daily racing form past performances. Remember they have a full Del Mar handicapping store right now, past performances, DRF picks, clocker reports, every day and then betting strategies on Saturday. If you need extra help, how uh, the wagers are formulated individual races. Uh, I think there are pick fives and uh, multi-race exotics as well for De for Del Mar and for Saratoga. Saratoga has their own shop. You can also get these past performances that I'm going to be looking at for free. When you sign up for DRF bets quickly, here's how you do it. Sign up for DRF bets, use the promo code winning, and then they'll give you all the way up to a $250 deposit match. So if you deposit 250, use the promo code winning, you're going to get 510 bucks back because they're going to match your deposit. They're going to give you a $10 free bet just for registering. And then they'll give you 10 free formulator cards. A card is one track. So one card would be like the Del Mar Saturday card that we're going to be looking at right now. You'll get 10 of them right off the bat. And then every time you bet 50 bucks, you'll get another credit for past performances. So I'm going to look at races three, seven, and nine for Saturday over at Del Mar. Let's dive into the third race. This is an interesting race. It's six furlongs on the dirt, made in special eight, and you've got three-year-olds and up fillies and mares. So it's not a two-year-old race. Yeah, Baffert horses going to take money like always the five betty song as you would expect with these first time starters glatz horse on the outside uh, debuted and was pretty good 
I'm going to land on the number four, Poetica. So I just think there are so many things to like about her in this spot. Now, she debuted last year as a two-year-old in November. And in that race, she drew the rail, and she just, we can watch it. Let's be thorough with Poetica. So she just completely misses the start from the rail, which is not easy for a first-time starter. But it was nice. It was at Del Mar, so she got a, you know, she got a feel for the track. And after that slow start where she gets bumped right off the bat and she's last, you know, she's nine or ten lengths off. She's on the inside. She starts to move pretty well with some good late energy. And she was able to move off the rail. I thought it was a pretty good effort from Poetica after that slow start first time out. And the race has come back very, very strong. So she ends up finishing fourth in this race. And I thought running pretty well late, getting into it. She's passing a horse down on the inside. Let's look at how strong the race came back. So debut race, some trouble, but still think she ran pretty well in that race. That's a good figure for a two-year-old there, you know, um, finishing seven lengths out of it because the race was strong. The winner, FISA, is five for six and is a grade one winner and a multiple graded stakes winner. The runner-up, Lily Poo, came back to win her next start. Lily Poo is a stakes winner and is multiple graded stakes placed. The fifth place finisher, AG Bullet, is also a stakes winner. This was a loaded race. Poetico was fourth. There were three horses that came back to win their next start. All three of them are now stakes winners. So I uh, think the race was strong. I think that Poetica ran a little bit better than it may look in that race. You can find her workouts recently on XBTV. I thought she flashed some ability. You can see the work. Now she'll get Lasix for the first time, and she's going to come off a long layoff. So let's see how Peter has done with horses off a plus 180-day layoff. So we got the plus 180-day layoff. This has been a really, really good move for Erton. He's hitting at 16% over the last five years. So an 82-horse sample size, 13 winners, and a $2-1 ROI. A positive ROI for every $2 you bet. If you just blindly bet every horse that Erton has sent out off a long layoff, you'd be positive right now. So now she's a three-year-old. She's grown up. She's matured a lot. I think her race was better than it looks. She faced really tough company. She's training well. She's getting Lasix for a born who can fire really well off the bench. Poetica, number four, in race number three. She's six to one on the morning line. If she's anything over seven to two, I need four to one to bet Poetica in here. Let's get to the seventh. Five furlongs on the turf course. I'm going to go to the natural in here. What scares me about this horse, though, is the running line. Troubled trip. Because a lot of times people just see that and a horse like this will get over bet. But he should be probably around six to one. So if he is like six, eight to one, I still think that's fair. This is probably a little bit higher than where he should have been on the morning line. Just just off that that running line. Because horses that have a lot of trouble like that usually get bit usually get bet. So maybe he won't. And that's why we want to mention him. Because Roy Hobbs. His dam was stakes placed. See that unusual heat blood there. Didn't win on the grass, but was stakes placed. And 
he's a half to Rose Maddox, who's a multiple stakes winner on the turf. And he has one other turf sibling that won. So there's a lot of grass in this pedigree for a horse who's shown ability already on the synthetic. And then that race last time out was just a brutal trip. We can watch it. He was off a little bit slow and, and then he was just in a bad spot all over. Uh, hey, Pappy. Oh, Hey Frank, you're the voice of uh, Santa Anita and of Saratoga, Frank Miramati. Roy Hobbs is the four in the race. We're watching slow start. But then watch how quickly he recovers and he tries to move right back into contention because he doesn't want to come from way, way out of it. He wants to sit close and he moves right back up into it, but just nowhere to go. And you can see he tries to move up the inside, but he can't get through there. And then going to be really unlucky when you know he stops. He has to back up. Horse in front of him right here just starts backing up. Like to watch the one back up. Oh, here comes the four steadied. And the one keeps backing up. And now it just keeps backing up into the four. And Roy Hobbs just has no chance. After a slow start, moving all the way right back up into contention, he then gets just completely stopped again. And he tries to go to the outside. He's just looking for room. Unlucky there. I think Roy Hobbs is better than that. I think Roy Hobbs will enjoy getting to the grass. and. I'm going to be using Roy Hobbs at a very fair price in race number seven there. So Roy Hobbs is 12 to one again on the morning line. I don't want to take anything less than six because I thought the 12 was already high. Like that's, that's another thing. Just because a horse gets bet down sometimes off of their morning line doesn't mean that that's a, that's bad value. If you, if you thought that that was already a line that may have been off or your personal line was off, then that's not an underlay. Right, you have to make sure you're making your own your own lines because that your value is always going to be a little bit different. Let's finish up Saturday, Del Mar in the California Dreaming race number nine. I'm looking at the number five in here, Carmelita's Dream, who won this race last year, and it just looks like with the six, seven, and eight, Kings River Knight flies early, doesn't really want to sit that much. The seven, Jimmy Blue Jeans, really wants to go. The eight, Bally's Charm, also pretty quick. Those three should make it really difficult on each other. And I think can set it up for a deeper closer like Carmelita's man. He does need some help. He's not fast early. And he usually has to deal with traffic and come flying late. But Carmelita's man should get that set up and get that trip in here. The number five is four to one in race number nine at Del Mar on Saturday. Three plays on the Saturday card for August the 5th. Best of luck. Remember, Whenever you need help handicapping the races for Del Mar, get to DRF.com, that Del Mar handicapping store. Everything you need there, PPs, DRF picks, clocker reports, and on Saturdays, betting strategies. Good luck on Saturday over at Del Mar. Covered a lot of ground for this weekend with Friday racing. We had Friday racing on the first podcast where we had Friday, Woodbine pick five, Saratoga best bets, Del Mar best bets. Saturday, we hit all stakes races from Saratoga, all five. We got all five of the stake or all six of the stakes from Louisiana. We've got Woodbine, the pick five, and their stakes race. And then we've got some Del Mar best bets. All the big races, all the big tracks, everything you need to help in your handicapping. And it's all free. Different guest handicappers. Make sure to let everyone know about that's what G said. Time to talk some wrestling this week in wrestling. Chad Cooper's always here with us. Unfortunately, couldn't make it this week, but uh, 
we have to talk about SummerSlam because SummerSlam is coming up on Saturday. But I want to quickly go through NXT and AEW prior to that, and then we'll spend a little more time on SummerSlam to finish up. So this past week, we had NXT Great American Bash on Saturday. I thought the show was really good. We had a pre-show match. It was an eight-person mixed tag where we had the metaphor, Noem Dar, Jakara Jackson, Lash Legend, and Oro Mensa in the mix. And they look like they're going to be getting a push. They lost this pre-show match, but it looks like Noem Dar is going to be getting a, a little bit of a push. And I I like Dar. I really do. He's good in ring, and he's he's really figured out the character work. And there's something funny with this group. The family, Tony D and Channing Stacks, they pick up the NXT Tag Team Championships. They beat Gallus. Roxanne Perez and Blair Davenport had a really fun Weapons Wild match that almost went 12 minutes. They 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 beat the hell out of each other, and I think it was good for Roxanne. Not a very good debut for Gable Stevenson. In ring, he just looked fine. It wasn't like he was botching. The crowd just was not into him at all. In fact, they were booing him, and they were cheering Baron Corbin, and then we had no follow-up for Gable Stevenson after. He had his first match, and they didn't mention anything about it on NXT on Tuesday. I didn't think that was positive. Dirty Dom beat Wesley and Mustafa Ali in a triple threat. The heat that Dirty Dom is receiving is nuclear and fantastic. Tiffany Stratton defeated Tia Hale in the submission match when Andre Chase threw in the towel even though Thea Hale did not submit. So now they're playing into that where Thea's uh, like the moody teen that is upset with uh, with Mr. Chase for throwing in the towel. Carmelo Hayes beat Dragunov in just a fantastic match. One of the better NXT and WWE matches of the year. I'm such a huge fan of Dragunov and Carmelo's been great. And then on, on NXT, they have already talked about splitting up Carmelo and Trick. Now, it doesn't look like Trick is going to turn on Carmelo, but it looks like we're just going to see a little bit more of Trick Williams on his own. So just a couple things to mention from NXT from Tuesday. We opened things up with uh, Tony D, which was great. It was fun to see Tony D in stacks, um, but they get attacked. And it sets up a match for later on the night. Tony and Stax need to find a partner for a six-man tag. They end up bringing in Santos Escobar, a play on their former storyline. Laya Valkyra gets the win over JC Jane. She's looking good. She might be one of the next to step up for a match against Tiffany Stratton. And the presence of Rhea and Dominic on NXT has been great for the ratings. NXT is really firing on all cylinders right now. Dominic was funny. He was confusing Dragon Lee and uh, Axiom because they were wearing masks. He has this real like nonchalant, I'm too cool to be here attitude that is just great when he goes down to NXT. And now you see Wesley kind of turning into a little more of a, a whiny heel. Uh, Ali is kind of breaking because of Dirty Dom. Dijak picked up a quick win over Eddie Thorpe. It only went about five minutes. Dana Brooke keeps teaching her protege about how she needs to snap now and embrace the aggressive side. Valentina Faraz and Leon actually end up losing to Electra Lopez and Lola Vice. The Metaphor pick up a win. That was a big one for Noam Dar. 
And it looks like we are going to get to Carmelo Hayes and Wes Lee. Braun Breaker, Vaughn Wagner is something coming next week. And we are building to Dragunov and Trick Williams, which could also be next week. So they have a while. Their next premium live event is until September the 30th. So I think they're just going to start to build some of these stories right now. Creed Brothers kind of doing a goofy gimmick where they're they're doing comedy here. I'm not exactly sure what they're doing with the Creed Brothers. But next week, Braun Wagner, Braun Breaker versus Von Wagner, Noam Dar versus Tyler Bate, Ali versus Axiom. That should be pretty fun. And then they announce Dragonoff versus Trick Williams. In the main event, Tony D, Stax, and Santos get the win. NXT has been one of the most consistent shows recently. They've been really good. Let's get over to AEW real quick. Collision, I love. I watched Collision last week. It was good. It was one of their highest rated so far. They had the MJF, Adam Cole versus FTR tag team title match in the main event. Adam Cole and MJF lose. Adam Cole and MJF tease a breakup, but they hug it out. And now, on Dynamite, they set up the the main event. It's going to be at Wembley. Adam Cole versus MJF. Now, MJF came out. He handed him a contract. He said to sign it. Adam Cole signed it. And they hug. They act like they're buddies. Was MJF pulling some strings? Was there something in the contract? Was there some fine print that Adam Cole didn't read? I think they've extended this storyline because of how well-received it's been. People like this pairing. But they have to get to a point now where it's more about the world championship. And now at least it was. For a while, it was a little too goofy, a little too silly for a world title program for me. Incredibly entertaining. But I'm curious now how they're going to do this. As that Wembley show is going to go down as one of the all-time biggest wrestling shows in history because of how many tickets they've sold. So this will be a huge main event. This week's AW Dynamite was episode 200. It's kind of a hodgepodge. Things here and there, some things that were good, others that I didn't quite understand. Jericho and Takeshita team up and get the win over Guevara and Garcia, who are more more of a babyface tag team now. We have a, a message from Tony Khan about episode 200. They showed a, all sorts of things from Dynamite over the last four years. We then have more on the Jack Perry storyline with Jerry Lynn, and that led to RVD, Rob Van Dam, making his AEW debut. So we're going to tease to a match from RVD and Jack Perry. We're going to find out next week. Tony Storm and Sheeta had a main event match for the women's world title, and Sheeta picks up the win. There was a triple threat match that Trent Beretta actually beats Penta and John Moxley in an Anything Goes match. One of my issues, though, it's just like a microcosm of, of AEW, some of the problems I have, there's too much bleeding on the show. Too much of that. In, in spots where it doesn't matter. There was a segment with Swerve Strickland where they went to Nick Wayne's house. There was a video. They went to the Buddy Wayne Academy, and Nick was training. And they just ambushed this guy. They threw a skateboard at him. They beat up one of Nick's friends. He's left alone, bleeding in a pool. It was like a horror movie. 
it was incredibly well done. I thought it was a fantastic segment. The stuff they've been doing with Nick Wayne is good. This, the way they've been building AR Fox is good. They, I hope they can continue with it because Swerve has a lot of ability and he could be a real monster heel. And the Elite pick up a win in a six-man tag. And they announced that they have re-signed. Aussie Open picked up a victory. Davis and Kyle Fletcher over uh, Commander and Eli Jode Vakingo. And then, yeah, the Sheeta-Tony uh, Storm match closed it out, and Sheeta gets the win. It was a fine show. I didn't think there was anything groundbreaking. The ratings for Collision have been good. Dynamite have not really been, but they are selling a ton of tickets for Wembley and their big shows coming up. So we'll talk more about AEW in the coming weeks, but now let's get to WWE SummerSlam and a preview. Now... WWE is doing something different with their pay-per-views recently, their premium live events. We're not getting five or six hour shows with 12 to 15 matches. They want to let the matches breathe a little bit more. So on this SummerSlam card, there's only eight matches. And there are four matches that are not on the card that absolutely could be. We First off, Trish and Becky isn't on the card, which is kind of strange. I think they're going to have it on Monday Night Raw in... Winnipeg in a few weeks in Canada. Trish is from Canada, so maybe that has something to do with it, but it's weird. They've been building this storyline for such a long time, and they're not going to put it on SummerSlam. Rhea and Raquel. Rhea won't have a match on SummerSlam. They're leaning into an injury angle. They have not put that on the SummerSlam card. Theory and Santos. That's going to be a match on SmackDown for the United States title. Won't be on the SummerSlam card. And then... Kevin Owens has been injured. We haven't seen him in the ring recently. They've been kind of able to to hide his injury and have Sammy wrestle some matches, but they don't have a match carded for SummerSlam. It looked like it might have been Priest and Dominic versus Sammy and KO, but not on the card. So we do have eight matches listed, and one of them is a battle royal, the SummerSlam battle royal. I think this has got to be LA Knights. This has got to be to get him a big moment. And then maybe you can start his push following this. And anyone who's not on the card that they decide to put in that SummerSlam Battle Royal, it could be pretty fun. The card, though, of each of the matches, I think they've been built really, really well. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. They team up, they win the tag team titles, and it feels like those two are going to have a reign together for a long period of time. Then we hear that Ronda might be leaving. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Shayna turns on Ronda because in real life, Ronda's probably not going to be around too much longer. So what was hard is we're watching the storyline. It felt like it was way rushed. It didn't really make sense. Everything that I didn't like about it, I don't even care anymore. They put together these video packages and these sit-down interviews with Ronda and with Shayna on Monday. They were amazing. Just amazing. And now I am so interested in this. Shayna versus Ronda in an MMA rules match. Shayna should win this match, especially if Ronda's leaving. This would be a great way to get Shayna over. And Ronda, she has a tough time cutting a promo because I think the way she talks, her cadence, it's not wrestling promo style. 
She sounded very good in this video. Shout out to WWE. They set this thing up really, really well. We have Gunther with Ludwig Kaiser. Corey Graves has been doing the impersonations of Kaiser. Oh, they've been funny. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the IC title. These guys are going to beat the hell out of each other. This will be a blast. I don't think it's Gunther's time to lose yet. Drew is on that level. But I don't know if Drew needs this right now. It might be somebody else could probably use the win over Gunther more. So I could see some sort of shenanigans here. Maybe they extend the feud a little bit. Ricochet, Logan Paul. Ricochet has been doing great mic work. He's never been a fantastic promo because his in-ring work has been more what he's leaned on. And Ricochet's never been given reps. He's never been out there cutting promos or asked to do it. And now when he's been asked to do it, he's done a great job. He's been really confident. And he's proved his point. He's gotten it across. He's done everything you need when you're cutting promos. And now the crowd's starting to get behind him more. They're starting to believe him more. I've said this to Chad before. He reminds me of baby faces like Bret Hart and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in in their promos. I don't mean overall. I'm not saying he's as good as those guys or anything like that. I'm saying from a babyface promo, they're not these overwhelming orators, but you believe them when they talk. Like, I believe what they're saying. Ricochet, Logan Paul. Logan Paul is just so good. And this is going to be a great, great match where we're going to have a few really incredible high spots. And I think Logan Paul should have somebody cheat to help him win this. It would be nice for him to get a win but I don't want Ricochet just losing clean. This is a big moment for him. Asuka versus Charlotte versus Bianca, triple threat for the women's championship. Very interested in Bianca now chasing. She's got a little more attitude here. Little shades of gray. Charlotte, a lot of people don't love Charlotte. I'm never going to be in that camp. And then Asuka, this should be great. And the, the tease of EO Sky. In the mix, possibly cashing in the money in the bank beef money in the bank briefcase. For the men's world heavyweight championship, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. They have really built Finn up in the last month. Great. Seth is rolling, people singing his song everywhere. Great match after great match. He's as over as he's ever been. And then you've got the possibility of Damian Priest with the money in the bank briefcase. Cody versus Brock. Cody's documentary was released. It's on Peacock. It's so well done. WWE's video packages and their documentaries and all of the the entertainment stuff they put together. That's why it's World Wrestling Entertainment. Their teams that do these things are so good. They're better than football teams and basketball teams and NFL presents. Rollins, Balor should be great. Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar. This looks like the end of the feud. It's a singles match. Cody needs to win this to get back to his goal. The world championship and beating Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar, he feels a little rejuvenated now. He was kind of out of sight, out of mind. His stuff with Lashley wasn't great at the end of last year into the beginning of this year. And then had the match with Omos. It was actually fine, but nobody was really interested in it. Cody's got to win this. 
and move forward. And then Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, tribal combat for the Undisputed Universal Championship and recognition of the tribal chief. I'm just really split with this because the story, this was a movie or a TV show, the end of it would be with Jey Uso winning. The, the problem is what happens next. Could Jey Uso be your guy to carry the company moving forward? Is he a big enough star to be the one that beats Roman Reigns? Is what's good for this story what's good for the company? That's where it gets a little conflicting. Jimmy hasn't been around. Jimmy's got to show up here in the mix and have some involvement. As much as I'd like to see it, I would be very shocked if Roman Reigns loses this title. To think about all of the wrestlers that are on this show. Cody, incredibly over. Selling merch all over. Getting huge pops. Brock Lesnar, he's over again as a heel. And interesting. Rollins, Balor. Balor's in a great character spot right now. Way better than where he's been in the last few years. Rollins is over. Bianca is more intriguing now than she was before. You have Charlotte and Asuka. They're both in fine spots. Roman, Jay, great spots. Ricochet is as over as he's ever been. Logan Paul is doing great. So not all, like all of these storylines are hot. That's why WWE is breaking records. Their ratings have been awesome. They're having incredible attendance all over. And, you know, Ronda and Shayna, what they've done with them recently. Gunther. And then the Battle Royal. L.A. Knight. Yeah, let me talk to you. It's got to be L.A. Knight's Night. So there's a look at SummerSlam and what's been going on this week in wrestling. Chad will be back next week to help recap everything that went on in SummerSlam. We'll be getting closer and closer to AEW's big show at Wembley coming up. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this week, folks. We covered a ton of content, different sports, different races all over. Make sure to subscribe to That's What G Said Podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Share it around with your friends and let them know that there's no other shows like this where we get into everything in the world of wrestling. We talk football. We talk racing. We talk basketball. We talk Marvel and Star Wars. And right now, we're going to bid you adieu. Have a great rest of your weekend.